Hello there, welcome to episode 62 of True Cult Pop, the music podcast. Not just any music podcast, a really, really good one. It's really <laughs> right good, apparently. Yeah, That's what the reviews are saying. The reviews are in, guys, and we're a hit. Oh, go on, go on. Oh, we're a hit. We're a hit. Is it from Take That Lady or Chainsmokers Man? <laughs> Both of them, Oh, hopefully. by the way. You scumbag, you maggot, Alex and Drew Taggart. Lovely stuff. <laughs> a bit of the festive season for like you. That, yeah. Sam calling back there to one yeah. of our previous podcasts, which you can go and listen to, True Crap Pop, where we did the Chainsmokers. Uh, we did the album, whatever their shite album is called. Can't remember what it's called. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Memories. Do not open. Scroll back a little bit. Won't be opening that far. No, now. don't. I'm Stephen Hill. I hope you're really good. I hope you're having a nice time. It's Christmas time, mistletoe and wine. I'm joined by Sam Slight is here. He's back. How you doing, Sam? Hey, hey, hey. Oh, I'm all right, thank you, mate. I am, I am well. I've got almost all of my Christmas shopping done today, in fact. So, Blimey. you know. Look at you. The yeah. opposite of the Grinch. What's that? The inch. Uh, the minch. <laughs> well, I, I am the shortest of the three by some distance, <laughs> yeah. so it, it, it works. It scans. It you are. And so let, Can't put a price let's on introduce the, the Blitzen to my Donna kebab. It's <laughs> only Gaz Jones is here as always, isn't he? How you doing, Gaz? Uh, oh, hungover, half dead, tired. That's what Christmas means to me. Was it worth me. it? Yeah, of course yeah. it was. What have you been up to then? Oh, well, it was um, it was my much better half's um, birthday. Oh, What's well, her birthday tomorrow? Um, oh, well. as we're recording this, so you've got a hangover the day before the birthday. Well, no, oh, schoolboy. We, 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 we had Fair a mega right. weekend. We had a we had a big old um, day out in uh, in Anglia Square, not Leicester Square, mm. aka Norwich. Oh, right there you go. That sounds yeah, like that nice. sounds like the Gaz Jones Christmas special. Had a <laughs> basically is had, had I a weekend as in Norwich I, and it turned into a feature. As, as soon as as soon as I got off the train, I had to stand there and you know pretend to sell a book. When when I saw <laughs> a, um, a, a South African man coming down the, the platform from Dante Fires. No, guess you yeah, can't. I had to do it. You can't. Well, there's no need for that. Anyway, <laughs> good to see both of you. Thanks very much for coming on. I mean, this what we're going to do. Yeah, that's what we're going to do anyway. So. On this week's show, we start the countdown of the end of year stuff, what we are doing. Starting with Sam. Sam is going to do yeah. his top 20 albums of the year. And also, we've thrown in a couple of little extra Christmas bonuses from previous people that have been on the podcast this year. I asked a couple of other people who use, whose voice you would have heard on the show over the year to, to give us their top five. And they're just going to be popping in like, uh, like a little thing behind the door of an advent calendar. I'm really getting these... Ah, great. A man at a stable. <laughs> I'm really getting... The Lord of Fellows looking at a star. Getting these Christmas references in nice and early. So anyway, yes, yeah. that's what's happening. If you want to go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash truecultpop, sign up there for exclusive content. Content that we have not actually recorded yet that is coming up. Because this weekend, we did actually do this and then we had to scrap it. And we're going to do it again. Yeah, all right. No one, no one likes to no show. One likes, no one likes to no, show. No, 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 hey, look, hey, look. You've outed yourself. Is the problem there, guys? I was not. I was going to. I'll, I'll happily take one for the team because, it, well, it, a, it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and b, um, I, I, a, a very important lesson was learned. Yeah. So never delete the file. We recorded a podcast on fake history by Let Live. Gaz's file was corrupted. It's almost like the man doesn't want to hear people talking about Let Live anymore. 
So Outrageous. we're going to record that again. That's if you sign up for any amount of money, that'll be out on Saturday. If you're listening to this, presumably you have access to or will have heard me and Gaz giving you the beginner's guide to Landfill Indie, which <laughs> is a challenge, to be honest. It's <laughs> quite the challenge, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that we managed to pull some gems out of the shit. I've actually had so much fun. And I've rediscovered some stuff that I have not listened to probably since about 2008. And yeah, there's a couple of albums in particular that have dated surprisingly well. Surprisingly well. Shockingly well, actually. It's just shockingly well, actually. Shockingly well. Yeah. Uh, also, if you're waiting for the second part of our Bruce Springsteen double, I mean, obviously I was ill and I've had my bathroom being done and it's not an excuse, but we were going to give it away for free anyway. And I just ha- we just haven't got around to haven't got around to recording that and i don't know when we will but we will do it i promise we will do it at some point because we said we were going to but so we will definitely do that anyway enough of that there's been some news this week there's been some music out this week we're not going to talk about that we're not going to talk about limp biscuit download although i would quite like to talk about that but we're not going to fuck it everything stops now we're going to do Sam's 20 Albums of the Year. But before we do, we're not just going to do Albums of the Year. We're also going to do a few other things as well. So, Song of the Year, EP of the Year, Gig of the Year, and if you have one, the Festival Set of the Year. Sam, you pick five of each of those categories. What are your favourite five songs of the year? Oh, we're starting with songs. Let me just scroll down. Um, So, it was quite difficult because obviously I didn't want to include any songs that are in my my top 20 because that will massively give away what we're mm-hmm. doing so i've chosen five that i have gone back to a hell of a lot over the year of albums that haven't appeared in there yep. uh because as i'm going through the 20 i will highlight the best songs on each album makes sense maybe who knows whatever uh but the five i've gone for uh military gun do it faster oh. i did really like that album it oh. didn't quite make it in for me but i thought they were great what? um and every time I hear them, I do think of Steve just leaning to me at, uh, at Outbreak Festival and going, the turnstileification of hardcore and me saying, you're proud of that. I feel like we're going to hear that a lot this year. <laughs> and you did. So, yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, there would be no excuse to talk about them otherwise. Uh, so I have gone for Nero by Godflesh, which is a really good song. I must say the Godflesh album isn't great. Mm-hmm. Like It's it's good, but um, I think of their, their post-Reformation material, I definitely prefer the prior to. But Nero's a bit of a banger. It's exactly what you're expecting it to sound like. It's great. Contractually well, obliged to mention something. Godflesh when he comes on this podcast. I, <laughs> I have got my uh, street cleaner hoodie here just in case I get a bit cold while I'm recording. So, nice. you know, there we go. You might Sam Slight sponsor. Sponsored by Godflesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and GC were like, uh, he's doing the hands, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great for audio. Uh, another one, actually, a song that genuinely has been, particularly the bass riff, been stuck in my head all year since I heard it. Uh, Cracker Island by Gorillas. I think it's absolutely brilliant. As a man who doesn't like Damon Albarn, I still like Gorillas a lot. So, <laughs> lovely stuff. Yeah, good that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Thundercats bass line mm. on that is just fucking brilliant brilliant um an album that i really liked in parts but didn't necessarily love all the way through i have gone for uk grim from sleaford mods i think oh, that's yeah. a really strong song in particular that really kind of like dark industrial sound they went for which obviously is a bit of me so great mm-hmm. and then the last one because it's the song that restarted my love affair with a band who i've listened to an awful lot this year i've gone for emotion sickness by queens of the stone age because i think in times new roman is good it's certainly better than villains but emotion sickness is yeah, there's a reason it was the lead single it's the big one and I just think it's got everything that I like about them it's got those weird kind of like idiosyncratic riffs that Josh can do uh, 
so singularly and it's just got a great vocal hook to it so yeah those are the five that didn't quite make it in in terms of just songs that i picked basically on the day but yeah all really strong ones. all right sweet do you want to add anything about the queens of stone age song gaz or not no he doesn't i don't think he does let's no. let's establish some ground rules i'm not going to throw to either of you two but when we're going through the albums and bits and bobs like that if you want to jump in go for it oh thanks sam thanks for allowing the, I the two regulars of the podcast to speak on their own <laughs> podcast yeah but you'd be nothing without me Fair. <laughs> yeah i know there you always go. happy to influence a younger podcast yeah, good um <laughs> right fine okay well then let's say gig of the year sam five gigs hit me five gigs right uh so this year has not been as good for gigs for me as last year last year if you were listening if you'll recall i think four of my top five uh, are some of the best gigs i've ever 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 been he to. only saw mccluskey 11 it. times this year that's why isn't it <laughs> oh, well, you know, they are all five so that's good um <laughs> but uh uh, the gig's a bit a bit thinner on the ground i will say the overall quality is not quite as strong but these top five i was all very happy with first one i finally saw swans after many many years of talking about them I mean, hooray one, one in particular but finally saw swans with the lovely alec chillingworth of metal hammer fame uh, which was very very nice indeed i've put this in here and i put it fifth because i'm still not sure i actually enjoyed the gig but it's an experience unlike any other i felt so it was at belgrave music hall in leeds which is kind of the middle floor of two bars essentially it was a bit odd and when i saw they were playing there i did think hang on aren't they doing like churches everywhere else this is a bit strange i stood with alec probably maybe 10 or 15 feet away from michael Gira and co and after the first hour i felt like i could barely stand the sound the sound the volume of it was just so overwhelming i had to go and stand outside for five minutes before going back in for the kind of latter half of the set it was something Two hours, seven songs. It was a Swans gig, as you would expect. Have either of you two had the, the pleasure of seeing them? No, no. No, I've I've, I've seen Jarbo when she did that tour with uh, Neurosis. I mean, neither of those things are Swans, but fine. And I, th- I thought Jarbo was in Swans. For a bit. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there's, right. a, there's a link there. There's a link there. There's, there is a <laughs> link. It's not like he went... That's as close like as went, I got. I've seen Spandau Ballet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, although, I wish I had. I wish I had. I, to be fair, I, like, I would rather see Spandau Ballet than Swans. Swans were good. Uh, I probably don't need to see them for another two or three years. I so. have never seen Swans. I'm too scared. Uh, yeah. I think that's the right way to be. Mm-hmm. How was Jarbo quickly, Gaz? Because I was only being bawdy, but now I feel like I've snapped at you. So. <laughs> A little bit. That's fine. We're all, we're all friends here. <laughs> um, Quite intense and scary. Um, I, I'd... I was like horrendously hungover. I think the night before, me and a good friend of mine um, went went to Ginger's fortieth birthday party gig. Your wild heart. He sort of did like a birthday. He was. I don't know. You can't. No. Now you can't bring up the Ginger Wild Heart for 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 every gig. No, no, I know. But as a result of that, we had a very late night, and then the next day we were horrendously hungover, and we went to see Neurosis and Jarbo. I believe it was at the Forum. And it was so kind of intense mm. and dark and gnarly and heavy. We were meant to go out that night as well. As soon as the gig finished, I said to my mate, I'm going home. Love you, bye. <laughs> I mean, you probably wouldn't need a hangover to feel like that after a neurosis gig. But no. hey, I'll yeah. tell you what didn't leave me a feeling of wanting to go straight home. My number four pick finally, finally saw Creeper this year. And Creeper at Rock City was absolutely fantastic. All the camp theatricality of a bunch of 
vampires doing Jim Steinman's type of negative that I could possibly want. It was excellent. Will Gould is every bit the charismatic frontman that I'd heard he was. And I'm just kicking myself that it's taken me this long to see him. Fucking great. Yes. 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 Good. Uh, my next one uh, was... So I've done kind of a double here because it is the headline act and the support act because... I don't think you can really say you enjoy a Lingua Ignota gig, but Lingua Ignota's final show was spectacular. It was absolutely incredible. It was um, all stuff from Cineget Ready and then a couple of traditional covers thrown in. So there was a song called Talk About Suffering. There was another one called Nothing But The Blood Of Jesus and she put her particular um, horrifying spin on it, shall we say. But the other part of that was that I finally got to see uh, Ken Mode, who obviously i love because they're noisy and horrible but can write a good tune they were fantastic uh my neck hurt for about three days after because i went a little bit too hard during the illusion of dignity so nice nice, nice. okay good yeah yeah i'm assuming neither of you two have seen either of those bands so uh yeah. i miss lingering uh, again a bit like swans mm. i was too scared too scared to yeah. go i was like you know if you're gonna take a night out now i kind of want to have a nice time want to have fun mm. and i didn't it, it just <laughs> i was like i i i didn't know if I could face it. That's fair. That's fair. I got there too late when I supported Terrorvision in '99. So, <laughs> <laughs> <Trim was> like, <laughs> sorry. That would be one of the most disorientating <laughs> shows that is, is possible to imagine. Um, anyway, yeah. what's your number two, Sam? My number two, Gojira at the Motor Point Arena, way back in February. Now I'm oh, fucking annoyed about. I didn't see this. Goodness. I'm very annoyed. Yeah, too. yeah. I know you didn't, um, and I, I did review it at the time, so if you want a more in-depth review, feel free to scroll back uh, however many weeks it would be, mm. best part of 50. Uh, Gojira at the motor point, absolutely incredible. There's no way they're not playing arenas every time the young comes to the UK now. They absolutely own that space. They sounded amazing. They are the tightest metal band on the planet. Just fucking brilliant. I mean, how's this for a, you know, a finale? You've got L'Enfant Sauvage into Toxic Garbage Island into Our Time Is Now, which sounded incredible. That's the post-Fortitude uh, single that they've released. Amazing. Mm. Into the chant, Amazonia, and then On Cod with Silvera and oh. uh, Newfound and The Gift of Guilt. Fucking wow. hell. Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. But not as amazing as Depeche Mode at Twickenham. Oh, my God. I think the best thing I can say for that show, apart from the fact that I was seeing Depeche Mode, is I've never been in an audience that felt so loud but so excited to be there. Like Particularly when you get to, I mean, well, even just academy gigs and upwards, the more people you get, the more likelihood that, that there is that the majority of them, well, not even the majority, but there's going to be a lot of wankers, basically. The Depeche Mode crowd, I think, was the friendliest crowd I have ever been in. It was absolutely amazing. And again... A hell of a set list. I won't run through the whole thing, but, you know, everything counts coming really early in the set. That was brilliant. And, I mean, from there onwards, just fucking bangers all the way through. Question of Lust. I thought Ghosts again off the new album. Actually, that should really have been in my uh, my songs of the year, not on my 20, because I think Ghosts again is a genuine highlight in Depeche Mode's latter-day category. But World in My Eyes, Wrong, Strip, John the Revelator, Enjoy the Silence, and, you know, the encore of Waiting for the Night, Just Can't Get Enough, Never Let Me Down Again, Personal Jesus. What more can you want from one of the best bands to ever do it? I thought they were fucking, fucking, fucking brilliant. But policy of truth, what more could you want? Policy of truth. Well, I mean, what more could I want? I'd want them to do about a five-hour yeah. set, really. Yeah. I just want them to do everything from, like, construction time again through to and including Ultra. Mm. But anyway, it, yeah. you're right. It was good. I wonder if it was I'll good. mention how good it was again. Methinks he might come up in the... <laughs> <laughs> yes. EP of the year for you, Sam. Got five? 
yeah, I've got five. Um, not in any particular order apart from my number one, so I'll just rattle through the first four. Uh, I thought Jessica Winter's Limerence EP was great. Obviously, I saw her open for Clipping last year, mm-hmm. and then we kept an eye yeah. out, and the EP came out. Uh, Clutter with Links great pop song absolutely brilliant mm. really 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 enjoyed it uh jamie lemon's i know you know i know companion piece to the atheist from last year which as you remember really good really, really enjoyed as an album a really nice continuation of the same kind of themes and vibes going on in that and like it's jamie lemon yeah it is a bit of bias but like he's never not going to get in some sort of list although actually he didn't get in last year but uh, there we go shot mm. myself in the foot there uh better lovers god made me an animal great yeah. greg picciato fronting every time i die it's as good as that sounds mccluskey of course they're going to make it in there they released uh, the unpopular parts of a pig it's a, it's a four track and every single track gives you a little bit of a flavor of the history of mccluskey essentially but my ep of the year is truth or consequences new mexico by sugar horse i'm not sure if it's technically an ep because it is just one 19 minute song yeah. but on stream it, it's it's divided into six different tracks so i'm having you can it. have it um, you can have it yeah well uh, good because i've done it now um but now. yeah sugar horse continued to be absolutely fantastic uh there's no one else who sounds quite like them there are bands that you could put together to make sugar horse in some kind of weird sad broth but they just do it better than anyone else and ash's voice in particular the the op- the, the track opens with him and the other members of the band kind of doing like a almost like a gospel intro with a load of like massive hall reverb it sounds wonderful and then you get the beautiful ethereal passages that you'd expect from them alongside the crushingly heavy riffs i mean yeah post metal by way of the cure excellent excellent as always good shit right um you went to how many festivals you go to just the one was it i went to two festivals so my top five festival sets uh well three of them have been reviewed so i'll rattle through these as well number five converger outbreak it's converged mm-hmm. they did the saddest day i was very very happy mm-hmm. uh the following two haven't been reviewed in full i'm not going to do a full review but uh they're both at damnation festival so anal nathrak were the last band i saw because like electric wizard fine whatever as far as i'm concerned anal nathrak were my headliner so we headed off after them but it was absolutely brilliant as you would expect um just some of the most disgustingly vicious extreme metal known to man the only reason that they are my second favorite set of damnation even though what i came out was like yeah best thing of the weekend Dave Hunt does talk too much between songs and then he'll complain about not having enough time to finish the set list. So <laughs> sort yourself out, mate. But still brilliant. Yeah. Still I've never seen them on that track, you know. Have you not? No, I've never seen them. I mean, them. T- well, t- to be fair, they don't actually play live that often. So it's not like you've just missed 40 years worth of touring, 200 dates every time in the yeah. I don't know, Wedgwood rooms in Portsmouth. But uh, yeah, really good. If you get a chance to, I would go and see them because it is ferocious. Mm. And to be fair, he is he is good at the between song patter. Just tone it down, yeah. mate. Okay. He's better than Tobias Forge. And they could fit in a, quite a few more songs, Ghost. Uh, <laughs> so, my third favourite set was uh, Bosk's second set of Damnation. So a band called Ahab had to pull out on the day they were meant to play, which is the, the, the main day of Damnation. And so uh, Gav had said, there's going to be you know, a secret set, a, a beloved Damnation band are filling in at very short notice. Boss came out and did the set uh, the following day, which is kind of a bit of a greatest hits, but really it was just all the heavy stuff. Uh, the night before they played Audio Noir in full, the second day, it was just the big riffs, including, as far as I'm aware, the first ever live performance of Men Here with Johannes Person. Um absolutely brilliant i found out after the fact i'm pretty sure that me and my mate niall were stood about three feet away from julie christmas during that set so that's good she was also very good but not quite top five worthy number two 
Code Orange at Outbreak Festival. It's Code Orange. They were at Outbreak. They were amazing. They're an arena band in a venue far too small for them. Excellent. But nothing was ever going to beat Death Grips. I think we know. Nothing was ever going to beat Death Grips. It was fucking amazing. And I've basically had ex-military and uh, the money store on repeat since then. So, cool. Happy with that. Yeah. Nice. Death Grips is good, wasn't it? They were good, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it was well good. That was really fucking good. Right, 20 albums of the year. So this is how we're doing it, right? Because we're not doing a strictly a top 20 because, you know, I think we said it last year, uh, trying to fit in all the different genres and all the different stuff that we're going to be covering. Like, how do you decide how, you know, the obituary album is at number 16 and Kylie's at number 15? How do you weigh that up? You can't really, right? So what we've done... <laughs> is we've picked our 20 favourite albums and the only bits that are in order are the top five. So Sam, you've got 15 amorphous records and then a top five. And Gaz and I will be doing that uh, when we get round to it as well. So let's kick it off. Let's start with the first album that you want to talk about inside you, inside your top 20, Sam. Let's go. Let's go. Um, so when it was coming to the top 20, as is often the way, um, there was a hell of a lot of stuff that really could have got in there. I mean, the last three spaces, it was quite tight. And there was an album that I heard in mid-October. I don't know if you two will be aware of, one, the album. You might have might be aware of the artist. I certainly wasn't. But a friend of mine recommended to me, uh, Bolted by Forest Swords. Uh, either, oh, sorry, the other way around. I know it is Bolted by Forest Swords. I've got it completely right there. <laughs> Uh, have either of you two heard of Forest? I've heard the name. I have known nothing about them at all. No, Gaz? No. Complete blank one for me, my friends. Okay. Enlighten so me. It's a gentleman called Matthew Edward Barnes, who is from the Wirral up north. He performs as Forest Swords. He's a record producer, a DJ, a soundtrack composer, and a visual artist. Uh, this is his third LP. It's come six years after his 2017 album, Compassion. And basically, as far as I can see, and from what I've listened to, totally deservedly so continues a hot streak of uh, critically acclaimed releases. It's uh, a wonderful bit of sort of ambient, dub-heavy, darkly rich and really texture-focused soundscape manipulation, I guess. Uh, to me, it does sound a little bit like Kevin Richard Martin's work, not as the bug when he is performing under his own name, doing something like Return to Solaris. Uh, there's a little bit of Fortet going on in there. And there's even some Bon Iver in kind of how sparse and lush it can be simultaneously. Uh, there's a song called Caged on here that I think's brilliant. It takes this really stark drum loop as its central rhythm and builds up these like ebbing sounds that seem to move from a kind of tortured folk, folk strings, I suppose, and really heavily manipulated, distorted synthesizers. And the second single, I believe it was, Butterfly Effect, contains a previously unreleased Nina Cherry vocal sample to kind of hook Ooh. the whole thing around. It sounds brilliant. Like wow. She works really well in this kind of swirling cacophony that is dark right the album is dark and it takes from sort of industrialized synth pop like and that kind of ethos of mid to late 80s depeche mode coalescing all these samples on a song called the low for example it just seems to be like a build-up of clattering textures and stuff and combines it with this really bass heavy rich production a lot of dub a lot of dance hall puts it all through a really cold cold distorted filter so yeah a bit of me and one that uh, i think you two would like as well all right sweet what's it called again it is called Bolted by Forest Swords. Okay, give that a listen. Check Sweet, there you go. Well, we're off, we're off and running. Let's crack on. What you got next, Sam? Off to the races. Uh, I have gone for 
Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel's maps. Ah. Uh, a kind of... I don't remember if we reviewed this, Steve. I don't think we did, uh, did we? Me and Merlin reviewed it. And Mel was on the... Ah, yeah. okay. Fair enough, yeah. Well, luckily, I don't remember what you thought of it, so I'm not just going to be copying you. But I, I love <laughs> this. It's a kind of... Uh, a concept album and a travel log at the same time. And it details Woods' experience, I think, in particular, returning to touring after the COVID-19 lockdowns, the sort of anxieties and pressures that have come with all that, as well as universal themes of, well, <laughs> indignity and alienation and inspiration and escape and adventure that you find when you're traveling to non-specific places. I think he does have, well, he and Kelly Siegel through the production managed to have this really impressive mix of universality and specificity to tell these stories that do make you feel like you're in a particular place, even though you're not, you're not there and you're not being explicitly told where you are. Um, obviously, Woods has got a beautiful flow. He always does. He's got this really, I don't interesting way of interweaving sort of various uh i don't know syllabic phrases that shouldn't feel like they fit but when he does it works so well i think where their 2019 collaboration hiding places which i really really loved indulging quite a dark implied terror like looking at the abandoned house that is the album cover for it um this having seagull using more kind of ambient textures and ambient noises so on something like soft landing it sounds like it's all built up from the noises you get at the gate of an airport or getting something a bit more sun-kissed where you maybe want to keep an eye out but you are ultimately having quite a nice time away on like rapper weed they work sublimely again and they've given us something very very different here it's not a billy woods and kelly siegel album like one that we've had before i think they've they've brought this extra flavor and having some excellent guest appearances from like quell chris samuel t herring elucid I mean, obviously, Billy Woods has got him on speed dial, so that's fine. And Danny Brown brings a bit of an extra flavour to it. But I think the core partnership is still where that magic comes in. I, yeah, really, really taken with that one. Mm. Yeah, it's a cool album, that. I mean, I think it's not the only time it's going to come up. Uh, you're not the only person who's going to pick it on the show this week. So uh, my thoughts, are, I think I will save my thoughts for later on. Did you listen to this, Gaz? I think so. Mm. When, you know, anything that's got a kind of Danny Brown connection. Mm. Is uh, it's good for me, yeah, my friend. Maybe talking about Danny Brown again soon. Yeah, I, ooh, yeah. I think you know this is this came out in the kind of that period of hip hop at the first half of the year. Where I was like, lots of stuff is good, but mm. I think it really got better towards the end of the year. But yeah, like a cool album, mm. definitely, definitely a cool album. Um, go on, Sam. What you got next? I have next gone for a band who I wasn't really a fan of. Until Steve, you brought in the song Hard Times by Paramore as an earworm oh, yeah. way mm -hmm. back when. I'm pretty sure that was one of the first earworms that you had uh, last year. Um, and my experience with them has massively changed, essentially. I've never disliked Paramore, but I never really clicked with them. And I think with both um, After Laughter and particularly This Is Why, obviously the album I'm talking about now, given it came out this year and not in 2017... That push further into new wave influences has come at exactly the right time in my life to really vibe with Paramore. Um, I'm still discovering so many classics of so many genres that I'd never touched before in my life. And to be honest, new wave is something that's it's kind of been there, but I've never really delved too deeply. I know, scandalous to, saying that to a Duran Duran mega fan. But, <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. Um, I both, that's both of us, by the way. It's not just me. It's both of us. Well, yeah, but you're I, the one uh... with the Rio shirt, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you like to remind everyone. Um, but I think they've, they've done all that, taking in 
that new wave influence and applied it to the Paramore sound with such a plum that it makes me retrospectively like all of their stuff a lot more. But these two, these two are the ones, the two most recent ones. Hayley Williams, yeah. definitely the superstar of the 2006 Warp Tour and Warp Tour adjacent scenes. Uh, she is able to go from deceptively poppy fun in a kind of claustrophobic ode that we hear in the title track to gorgeous biting critiques on tracks like Big Man Little Dignity. I think that is an absolutely superb song. But she always keeps that infectious melody at the fore and it's something that's able to shine through that a little bit more, I think, with the instrumentation being a little bit cleaner, a little bit more laid back, but still very, very deliberate. Yeah, well done, Paramore. You've got a new fan in me. You, I like your album so much, I now like uh, Riot a lot more. <laughs> <as> a <result. laughs> yeah, yeah, I did a bit of that when it came out. I was like, oh, maybe those yeah. other albums that I never really paid that much attention to actually are good. Um, yeah. yeah, nice. Did you like Are you want to talk about it at all, Gaz, or no? Um... <laughs> Yeah, well, I think this might have just missed out okay. on my top twenty. So, I've all I've always liked Paramore. You know, I've always mm. had a kind of soft spot for for Paramore. Even when I think the first time I heard it was like Emergency. I think that was like the first single. So what was that two thousand six or yeah. something? I was always I I always liked Riot. You know, I I always used to get rinsed for it a bit. But it seems kind of like now all the people were kind of rinsing Paramore back in there are all just kind of I think everyone was pretty much like a converted kind of Paramore yeah. fan now the, mm. the last couple of albums have been so fucking good and Hayley Williams solo album for a few years mm-hmm. back was brilliant as well yes mm. yes yes and yes, it's yes, like yes. she is an absolute absolute legit superstar like watching her like Reading when they kind of co-headlined Reading a few years ago watching that on, on the um, on the telly box it was uh, it was a glorious experience and it was actually nice that out of that whole kind of warp Tour scene there actually came a band who actually had something to say, mm. mm-hmm. which was really, really nice. And they've kind of blossomed and matured. Mm. And they're just, just an absolutely awesome band. Yeah. And, you know, I can't wait to see where they go next, really, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, who's next, Sam? Well, I mean, you know, obviously talk about music a lot don't we uh it's not the only thing i like though i mean i enjoyed the novels of proust <laughs> i like the ballet i adore the work of alan delon and i like the beastie boys too which is why i've gone for jerry valance and bray's punk tactics uh i mean what a debut what a debut it's everything that you'd want uh in the shape of a beastie boys album that we will sadly never get um Obviously, the Beastie Boys comparisons, it does feel very easy and it feels like quite a reductive label to constantly attribute to that this duo. But I think when you think about just how good Beastie Boys are and were and how many different styles and forms they, you know, kind of incorporate into their idiosyncrasies, I think, you know, Joey Valence and Bray should not take that as anything other than a massive, massive compliment. I mean, the lyric, uh, the opener in particular has got lyrics that have just been stuck in my head from the first time I heard it. Drop is just an obnoxious, brash, flip-flopping hip-hop. Uh, and for the entire runtime of the album, you just can't help but smile because it does give you that warm, fuzzy nostalgia of Check Your Head or Real Communication or whichever Beastie's album you particularly want to think of at that time. But it never sounds like a parody or a rip-off. Um, I thought it was interesting when you two were talking about Garth Marenghi about how you don't really get spoof anymore, which is, you know, kind of loving send-ups. And I don't think this is a loving send-up, but this comes from a place of love. You can tell that they adore the core influence that everyone is going to bandy about at them. Um, I don't think there's many albums out there this year that will provide this much fun in this short space of time. And for a, you know, for Joey Valance's final verse on the first song, oh, God damn, I dropped bombs. I was born with the brains and the brawn. I am the king and you're just a pawn. Who's got the high ground? No, Obi-Wan. Fucking excellent. Mm. 
Love it. Love it. I mean, I won't say too much about this album, but what I will say is somebody actually, when you know we went through and asked people what their album of the year was on our socials, and a few people said this record, quite a lot of people said this record, and we'll kind of get to how mm. many it was when we talk about it next week. But um, somebody, I'm not sure it was, said, aren't they just the Greta Van Fleet to the Beastie Boys Led Zeppelin? And I didn't respond to that, but I wanted to, and I'm going to respond now while we are um, having this conversation i think mm -hmm. that's an absurd thing to say because if you put on um i don't know root down and then you put on punk tactics they basically sound as good as each other if you put on yeah fucking you know black Moby black dogs some and then something and yeah. and also there aren't 50 million different joey valance and brays for you to they are the only exactly. people they are the only people doing this yes they yeah. sound like the beastie boys of course they do but i'd say well you know like if you put no not many people are going to come close to the very very best of the beastie boys but if you're making an album that you go oh i don't know if i like this more than hello nasty is this better than hello nasty <laughs> it might be like you wouldn't say i mean the fucking greta van fleet album they can't make an album better than Coda for fuck's sake. So forget that. <laughs> but um, yeah. anyway, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about Joe Vance Bray another time. Sam, I would have thought. So. Give us another record from your top twenty, please. I'll give you another one, and then you can throw to someone else if people don't have to put it in my stupid voice. But here he is. He's back again. More Billy Woods, is it? I've gone for <laughs> We by Diabetic Test Strips by Arm and Hammer. Um, the stream of conscious rapid fire intense flow of that opening track landline uh landlines even i mean that's just billy woods all over it feels like it's just falling out of his mouth and it does feel like it's got purpose to every single syllable that comes out of him but there's an inability to restrain it and you can tell from that that the album is going to be an obtuse and erudite one that arm and hammer have kind of made their name on we saw them at outbreak steve obviously they were the first hip-hop act to play that festival in its history as well unless one turned up i don't know the 2007 edition or something i doubt it but uh i think they fared well given how difficult their music is and i think the audience were very receptive to something that doesn't lend itself to uh live performances we also said in that one in the review of that performance, that Elucid felt like the kind of the lesser of the two. I think on on this album, he really, really justifies his inclusion by not only being brilliant, but being an excellent foil to what Billy Woods is doing. So I think that Elucid's key quality is he brings in something that more conventionally resembles a hook, uh, gives the song a bit more of a sense of grounding, uh, particularly that landlines, before you get to Woke Up and Ask Siri How I'm Going to Die, which is really woozy kind of dreamlike state punctuated by this liquid drum beat and then elucid's richly smoky voice against billy wood's quite you know idiosyncratic reel off that is wonderfully tactile but really odd they just work so brilliantly together i love the harsh metallic bashing that constitutes the opening drum beat of trauma mike i mean yeah that's a bit of me isn't it sheet metal being thrown at microphones what more can i want uh and you get an idea of the harshness that the album frequently employs but doesn't solely rely on through a song like that it's not always pleasant or easy but i find it utterly intoxicating I, i'm not f super familiar with everything arm and tamer have done but this is easily my favorite thing that i've heard from them i think even though it is really really dark and so open to interpretation and even speculation as to their intention i think they've put together an album that 
it could be quite a good starting point for people wanting to explore the world of Billy Woods. Yeah, I really like Haram from 2001. I thought it was really good. And we fucked up here because this came out on the 29th of September. And we'd already decided what we would be reviewing for September as the kind of clock ticked over. And I was like, okay, well, I'll make a note of that. And obviously, the rules are rules. When we say, oh, you yeah. know, at the start of November, we're reviewing the stuff from October. And at the start of December, we're reviewing the stuff from November. Them's the rules. So we couldn't squeeze this album in. But I like Haram a lot. This is much better. And what I said earlier about Maps, the Kenny Siegel, Billy Woods album, where I was like, ah, you know, I kind of feel like the second half of the year. I think if this had come out in the first half, I think if you'd swap Maps in this round, this would be in my top 20 of the year. I'm almost certain of it. It's fucking great. It's amazing. Have you heard it, Gaz? I haven't, no. Um, Steve, didn't someone say something about this on on the socials? About are you you going to? Yeah, we've had a few people say like you should review this, and obviously, like it's it's one that we like. I mean, I've done a bit of a spoiler for it there, but in the first week of January, everything that we didn't review throughout the whole year that you think is what I say everything a lot of things that we didn't yeah. review throughout the whole year we're going to be chucking in being like no this is the stuff we missed in 2023 right at the start of 2024 this will be one of them this will be one of them definitely yeah. nice. and so it should mm-hmm. be so it should yeah. be lovely stuff. all right anyway let's get our first other guest on I asked for five albums the best five albums of the year from Rich Hobson of Metal Hammer Magazine. You may remember Rich came on earlier in the year. We talked about the Foo Fighters. We talked about the dream first ever download festival lineup. And we wanted to get Rich back and see what he had been listening to this year. So that's what we did. I had a little sit down and a little chat with him. And this is what he said. He's back by popular demand. You asked for him. He has returned. It's Mr. Rich Hobson of Metal Hammer Magazine back to tell us about a lovely year of 2023. Rich, how you doing, buddy? You feeling all right? Hello, mate. How's it going? Very good, mate. Cheers for coming back on. Appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me back on. Oh, it's an absolute bloody pleasure. Um, Before I ask you about 2023, Rich, because I know Gaz, who can't be with us today, um, would like to know this. You recently saw ACDC. I'm not going to go into the whole Power Trip Festival, but you saw ACDC. We've spoken a fair bit on the podcast about potential ACDC dates. Give us a quick little lowdown. Give us a quick review. I think we're all pretty excited about them potentially coming over. Was it good? Absolutely fucking incredible, mate. So incredible, in fact, that when I sort of heard that they were lining up dates in Europe, I'm now looking to try and do one in the UK and one of the biggest shows anywhere else. Because honestly... I felt like the fucking Grinch. My heart was growing by three sizes every time they played the news. It was like, oh, oh, they're going to do If You Want Blood. Oh, that's Riff Raff. Oh, that's a song I never thought I'd hear live. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. you got to hit up that Munich mayor, mate. The one who, like... <laughs> I'll give him an interview if he gives me a free ticket. <laughs> hit, hit, hit up the mayor of Munich on LinkedIn and get him to get you on the fucking <laughs> ACDC tour that hasn't even been announced. Guest list, place number one on the guest list. I oh, mate, that's fucking amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm. The more it gets closer to that potentially being announced, the more I am like fucking hell yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to resist not spunking probably four hundred pounds on a ticket to see 
what will be really, really good. And potentially the last time they're ever going to play, I I reckon. Well, maybe. this is it, isn't it? But like, the whole Peritrip thing for me was very much like Willow. Like, I would have gone even if I hadn't been sent for Hammer, which obviously I was very, very lucky to have been mm-hmm. sent by Hammer. But I was looking at going anyway because I literally was sitting there thinking, well, probably the last time I'll ever see ACDC. Obviously, when it was first announced, it looked like it was going to be the last ever Ozzy Osbourne show. So I was like... Well, that's a pretty fucking good double header, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, for real, for real. Um. Anyway, how's your year been? Just in general, good year, twenty twenty three. Busy. Busy. Yeah. You, you <laughs> have been busy. Mate, I know this about you. You have it's been a busy. Strange one for releases. I think there's a lot of decent releases. A lot of like very solid sevens, eights. Very few, like that. I'm sitting here at the moment thinking, like, in two years' time, which albums am I going to be like? Fuck these are the ones that I'm going to be going back to every single time mm. I'm listening to music. And yeah, I feel like maybe 2020 and 2021 pip it a little bit, but you know, I mean, like I feel like there's an inevitable thing there as well of all the big bands have now released new music. So, you know, it's time for some of these smaller bands to kind of step up and do exciting things. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's been, I think, you know, as we will discuss when I come to do mine, I feel like this year has sort of, it's started slow and it's kind of gathered pace towards a sort of last little bit of it, which is a bit of a shame because as you know, um, we have to, as at Metal Hammer, we have to put our end of year list in, in like fucking the 8th of July or something. Don't we? It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> seems to get earlier and earlier every year that you get the email going, can you put your top 20 albums in your top 20? I'm going, Oh God. And then a load of stuff. I, I do feel this is one year where I'm like, shit, the amount of stuff I missed out. And that's why it's good having this podcast. So let's do it, Rich. You've got five albums, the best five albums of the year, according to you. We will do them from five to one in descending order. You know it works. We all know it works. So uh, kick us off. What's your fifth best album of the year? I mean, it, it was a really hard decision to kind of narrow it down to five, but I've gone for Arlo Park's Soft Machine mm. for my number five. I just... It's a warm blanket of fucking wonderfulness, isn't it? It's yeah. literally everything you put it on. It is like a hot cup of tea on a cold day. It's, you know, a warm sandwich when you're on the way to work. It's just, it's absolutely wonderful. Would that be a sort of melted cheese and tomato sandwich? Oh, like yeah. The sort of tomatoey relish, like a Pret one, a nice one. From Pret. Yeah. yeah, we're not talking Greg's. No, no, definitely not a fucking sausage and bean bake from Greg's. It's a bit more classy than that. Yeah, mate, that's a great pick. Um, I knew I was going to like that Arlo Parks album because a lot of people text me sort of just before it came out and were like, Arlo Parks has done a bit of a kind of alt-rock thing. And mm. I saw it at Reading. I saw her on the, the kind of the, the other main stage at Reading this year. And she mentioned how much she liked... Deftones and Smashing Pumpkins and stuff like that and she wanted to write a kind of album and stuff inspired by that and it is really cool that she has kind of done that without chucking away what was so great about uh, previous material but for people like you and me who I like a riff you like a riff don't you? You love a riff I do like a little riff <laughs> we'll get on to that we'll get on to that yeah I'm sure, I'm sure we will but yeah it's nice to see that she's kind of um she's brought a little bit of that kind of influence into her music i think that is a really good album it's um it's not one that i've listened to loads but yeah she's great arlo parks really good 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm gutted. She played Birmingham on the first album. Was it Collapsed in Sunbeams? Yeah. And she played the Hair and the Hounds, which is this tiny, tiny, but brilliant little venue that's like way out in the sticks. And I didn't think to try and get tickets until really close. And it was after she'd been announced for the Mercury Prize and literally every single ticket had gone. Wickets had gone. I mean, like it's only like a maybe 500 cap venue. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. Like gutted to have missed my opportunity to see her in such a small room. But like, yeah, what a fantastic artist and what a sort of like wonderful showcase of of sort of slice of life pop sensibility. Mm, really, really cool. Yeah, I back I back that as a thing. I don't know if you can Richard on Zoom. I don't know if you can see this. Uh, Bonjour is currently trying to squeeze herself down the back of my filing cabinet, which is she's, you're not going to get down. Can you see, I'm gonna just move it around so you can see what's going on there? Look, she's trying to get there's about 10 centimeters between the wall, and she's not going to get down there, but she's giving it a good go. But she's distracting me. That's what can you not do that? Bonjour, this is making this podcast incredibly. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry about that, mate. Sorry, we <laughs> not editing that out. Uh, number four, Rich, what's your number four? Number four, uh, a band I believe you've just spoke to for us, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greenlong, This Heathen Land. Yes, I have, mate. Yes, I have. And they are probably a band who I wouldn't have paid that much attention to were it not for the fact that I was sort of charged with doing it because I am a a, a casual stoner rock fan. But I'm fucking glad I did. Anyway, this is your pick, so go on. Yeah, I mean, like, so I got into Greenlong around their second album, which is the last album. And since lockdown, they just seemed to play everything that I was at. It was like, oh, they were at Bloodstock when I was there. They were at uh, Desert Fest when I was there, which mm. is kind of obvious, given the kind of band that they are. Uh, they were at Roadburn and they were at De- Damnation. There's not been a single time that I've seen them in the last sort of maybe two years where they haven't like oversold the room basically like like the queue for that for uh, desert fest was stretching right the way up camden high street it was the only band of the weekend where i was like oh shit like no one's getting in to see this band yeah they are just obviously it's such a step up in craft for them i think they've always been a sort of if you think most Doom bands, uh, they come from the Black Sabbath sort of sensibility. Greenlung approach it from Led Zeppelin, which is such an underexplored sort of facet of Stoner World. I mean, it's more or less, it's why Cayuse always stand out because Cayuse, you can kind of go, oh yeah, the Sabbathy riffs, and you're like, yeah, but there's a lot more of that sort of mystical Led Zeppelin swirl to their music than there is the sort of Sabbathy rootedness, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Earthiness. And yeah, this album is just start to finish. It is just pure joy, and it, there's so much joy clearly in the actual music that's being made. There's uh, Tom Templer, the the vocalist, is such uh, a sort of like nerd for occultism mm. and for sort of stories of folklore. So just that bleeds through so much in the lyrics. You put it on, it feels like you're, you're watching a Hammer horror. Basically, it's like watching like you know the Wicker Man. Mm. And in fact, there is a track on the album. It's like track six. It's like halfway through, and it is the Wicker Man song, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I spoke to Tom a fair bit about all the different things that they're inspired by, and then you put the album on, and I think the thing about them is, is that they absolutely are a doom band. They absolutely are a kind of stoner rock band in the the kind of that great British 
tradition of you know the the, the kind of the, the sabbathy thing right but also like the melody that they have that kind of almost almost kind of technicolor melody that they bring to stuff it just makes those they're heavy but they sort of sparkle as well they? they remind me of sort of um there's like piper at the gates of dawn era pink floyd there's kind of psychedelic beatles there's all of that stuff in there as well and there's a bit of you know again i i talked to tom and he was saying about how much he liked punk rock and gallows and bad brains and shit like that and although i would you know you'd, you'd struggle to pinpoint a bit where you go oh that sounds like bad brains but you know i think there is a there is a kind of there's, there's an attitude that comes from that type of music and being in that type of music that that they channel as well yeah that album's really good i'm really yeah, really it's good just so theatrical and uh, like obviously ghost kind of uh, they came from this kind of world and they went theatrical and went big on it and have built it out from there to a point where now I guess you wouldn't really call them a doom band, but I mean, mm. you know, you go back to like Seriously or something, and you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely a doom riff. Yeah, you know, go to the pit. But like, and to me, I, like every time they've done the arenas, they've had like one stonery band come with them. So obviously we had like Unclassed and the Deadbeats, mm-hmm. we've had all them witches, and I don't think any of those bands have have matched an arena setting. It always feels like a club band who've just been shoved onto a big stage. Mm-hmm. Greenland is the band that now I'm like, oh man, someone needs to go to Tobias Forge and go, you know, that, that band that you've been looking for, that stoner band that's going to really deliver on an arena setting. Here they are. Have that. Yeah, Unclassed the Deadbeats is a great comparison as well because Unclassed the Deadbeats had that kind of psychedelic Technicolor Beatles meets sort of Sabbath thing going on. And, you know, I think they had a couple of really, really good albums. But this, I always did think to myself, like, are people, is it contemporary enough for people to really kind of go for it? And I think what with the success of Ghost and the fact that they just write really, really catchy songs and really great songs as well. I think Green Lung might be the band to do the thing that I thought Uncle Acid potentially could have done. Um, yeah, exciting. Good band, good band. And uh, lovely, lovely chaps, just as an aside. Uh, number three, Rich, what are you saying? Number three, maybe the only contentious pick on the list, I think. <laughs> okay. I've gone for Sleep Poker, mate. Have you? I've lived it. I've listened to it repeatedly. I just, I really do love what they do. I think it's it's such an interesting confluence of styles and sounds. There's a there's a wistfulness to the music that kind of reminds me of like you know uh, the only comparison I can think of off the top of my head is like Pearl Jam Black that kind of like, like aching fucking like, sort of thing you make it's honestly you put it on and you put it on something like are you really okay and you're like fuck that is it's deep it's it's got such a, a sort of a human sense to it. Okay, do you know I've not been back to it since it's got, come out, so I mm. I have nothing else further to add to the sleep token conversation. But I know, I know you like them a lot, and I know a lot of people do like them. Obviously, a lot of people like them. They sold out Wembley Arena in eight minutes or something absurd, yeah. didn't they? Um, do you reckon it'll be all metal fans there? Do you reckon this is a like? Because the thing that I've always said is is that I don't see pop fans going for it and i feel quite vindicated in saying that when i saw them at reading and you know they they didn't even they didn't feel the tent at reading 
Yeah, I've got to say they're a strange proposition at festivals. Mm. I saw them do download pilot and thought they were great there, but that's the only time I've seen them at a festival and thought this band's brilliant. Festivals, all the times it's like the atmosphere is not quite there. People are kind of just kind of wandering in and out, so it gets really distracting. Um, but I mean, you know, obviously I went out to the US to to do the feature sort of on them and you're speaking to a lot of the fans out there and a lot of the people I spoke to probably about 80% were not metal fans before they listened to Sleep Token and they're there now they're like loath gear and stuff so that's the thing is like they're getting into this new breed of metal they're not even they're not bothered about Slayer they don't give a shit about Metallica <laughs> they are sitting there and going oh man loath are really good aren't they oh I really like Ithaca mm. and that's I think that's such a, a wonderful thing as well yeah. I think for all the sort of people that want to sort of sit there and go oh they're not a prop of metal band bar, it's like yeah but they're opening the doors to this whole new school that you know metal needs to survive we yeah, can't be near for like sort of thing i mean like oh, you've seen the metal hammer facebook comment section at times and like people kind of going oh yeah saxon they're a hard rock band and you're like mate new wave of british heavy metal band saxon are a hard rock band and it's because yeah no one can fully agree on what metal is but sleep token just don't give a shit they're just like yeah we're gonna do it our way and people like it so mm. yeah people do really like it so did you did you get to speak to vessel still haven't no no i did not uh, <laughs> obviously still infamously not speaking to anybody mm. Uh, but no, we just interviewed a load of the fans, spent like literally so many hours just trawling through like message boards and Reddit and, and sort of all these deep dive conversations, basically like kind of going into all the, the lore behind the music. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a thing. It's, it, you know, like it or loathe it, it is certainly um, one of the, the, it's one of the stories in music of 2023, unquestionably, unquestionably. Um, I think in terms of metal, mate, there isn't a bigger story. No, oh no, year. in terms of metal, no. I think even in, just in terms of music, I think you could mm. you could look at Sleep Token and go, that is a hell of a great... I mean, I think there are there are a few bands in metal where you could look at it and go like, fucking hell, that, that genuinely popped off. Like it really mm -hmm. did pop off in a way that, you know, we haven't seen it pop off in... Um, I mean, you know, Bad Omens are another one. I guess, mm. you know, I spoke to Noah from Bad Omens two days ago and the, I'd spoken to him in 2021 and I spoke to him too, and I was like, you've literally, I was impressed with the amount of plays you had of your music when I spoke to you in 2021. You've kind of quadrupled that mm. since it's, then. It's, it's fucking nuts. It does feel like a most <laughs> sort of metal going, not necessarily mainstream, but just popping off and kind of bringing big, Mm. big sort of numbers through the doors without it being like oh metal's got mainstream it's like it's more that just you know people are loving these bands more yeah. it's not like you know you're not necessarily getting like i don't know um carly ray jepson fans uh, uh fucking a monomath gig but you know what i mean like, <laughs> or uh you're getting a lot more younger fans getting into metal in a way that kind of it connects with them which is exactly what you need like i, I have no interest in like sort of you know sort of the, the 50th fucking metalcore band who are going, oh, yeah, we're going to take over the world. And I'm like, yeah, you and every other metalcore band that has ever existed on the fucking planet. Mm. I, I just want something different. I want something fresh. And I, I want to feel like I'm in a scene where, you know, new things are being celebrated and new things are coming up in a really exciting new way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I think I've said a few times before, I'm not necessarily fans of the music of those bands, but I see... I kind of see the 
you know the the stuff they've done and go this is hopefully going to you know bear fruit in a larger way in sort of mm-hmm. five six years so anyway we'll see number two rich the old silver medal so yeah ch- chucking out everything i just said and going really old school <laughs> mate's creeper sanguivore isn't it ah oh, in it it's gotta be hasn't it like like meatloaf doing a vampire rock opera fantastic mm. like no notes there we go perfect yeah it's brilliant this album it's brilliant i mean i saw them at shepherds but did you see you saw them on the recent tour i take it i saw them at lafayette so i got to see one of the two shows they did there which was great but it wasn't the full production so i am like desperate to see them next year oh they were great man they were so great i mean the thing is is that we reviewed it on the podcast and you know gaz a little bit cynical about it a bit more like "Mm, not sure this feels a little bit kind of you know the sum of its parts it, it, it doesn't add anything more to some of its parts for me those songs are just so good like they just write incredible brilliant songs and i think if if you are compared like say meat left in a vampire opera right a vampire rock opera if you can pull that off that's not an easy thing to pull off right that is so hard to pull off and creeper they have pulled it off because that is what it sounds like. It does sound like Meatloaf does the Lost Boys. It's brilliant. And I just, I mean, I put it on again earlier, just to kind of re, re-listen to all of these in, in prep. And I'm just like, the sheer excitement and thrill. Like, I've, I must have listened to that record probably 30, 40, maybe even 50 times by this point. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I still get so excited when I put it on and I just get that, like, those those huge guitar flourishes, the kind of, the, the operatic sort of, at the very very start of the album it just it's just so perfect it just it it hits a nice stride early on and never lets up best creeper album oh see it is an all isn't it it is yeah it's that Uh, good but you still go oh is it i'm not sure because i think they're all great yeah i really loved the brit poppy me too yeah me too yeah yeah like, but I don't know, yeah, um, hard to say. I need to see the songs all live, I think, and then I'll have more of an educated opinion. Yeah, fucking love Creeper. What a great band. Um, the time has come, Rich, for you to reveal what the finest album of 2023, in your humble opinion, is. Um, I was going to guess then, but I'm not going to guess because we could be all fucking... Yeah, go on, have a guess. Is it Foo Fighters? Nope. Okay, right. Uh, I'm out of guesses. I, I thought they were going to make the top five, and then I re-listened to the albums. Like, it's a very good album. It's good, yeah. But, like, it's just a very good album. Yeah. There's a few <laughs> on it. The one is with his daughter has stuck with me quite a lot. I think that's really brilliant, mm. that song. I think that's really, really like, good. It's, it's top ten, yeah. definitely. It's very good. Yeah, it's, top- like, it's surprisingly close to placing uh for me but yeah anyway sorry go on that was my shall i fly guess. through some honorable mentions oh, mate, please do please do uh so menzingers the new album uh-huh. I, I think that may have been in the top five if i had listened to it more i just hadn't had chance yeah, to listen it's to wicked it. backed yeah mm-hmm. so catchy uh event seven life is but a dream i'm really enjoying glad it. you're on the old pro because there is a pro and a, a anti event sevenfold like there's no kind of middle ground to that album i think and i'm glad you're i'm glad you're with us on that because it is good yeah lovely mate yeah. Uh, and murka spine was the other one that i was just like i just love that album if you haven't heard that I haven't. album, steve 
mate, put it on. Okay. It's dream pop. Oh. It's, it's Murphy's dream pop. Yeah. It's, it's so, like, it's arty and weird and... Uh, I, I I gave it a swerve because I was a bit like, oh, it was all hey nonny nonny last time and I was like, I'm out. Oh, yeah. I interviewed her for the, the Hammer feature at the end of the year and basically she was like, I fucking hate folk now. I can't do any more folk stuff. I need to just have like guitars. Hooray. <laughs> Good. Um, any more? Yeah, so, yeah, number one there, mate. Paramore. This is why. You weren't expecting that. I can tell that from your face. I know. I've got to be very quiet about this because I just have. Because <laughs> I've got to do my top 20 in a couple. Go on. Why did you pick Paramore? Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I just, it is sunshine and brilliance. And it just, it reminds me of like Blondie. And I know that they're kind of pulling more from the kind of 2000s indie. Which is a well, US indie in particular. They're yeah. not pulling from like Arctic Monkeys and the editors, you know what I mean? But they're pulling more from sort of Arcade Fire. But and, Block Party and editors and stuff like that, I think. Is yeah, a, yeah, yeah, you know. Like, you know, there, there's a few of those bands, but I just, it's such a slice of colourful, just loveliness. And every time I put it on, it's just, it fizzes with that kind of pop energy that you want a pop record. I mean, like, you know, we were chatting just before we started about Taylor Swift, and it's like, Love a bit of Tyler Swift. Love a bit of sort of like just putting something on and just having some like bubblegum sugar that's just going to kind of hit you straight in the spot. And every time I put the Paramore album, I get that. And plus, I just don't think there's a record that better do, sort of does, you know, everything from like mental health to global fucking conflict and kind of does it in a relatable, almost frustratingly catchy way that you just can't get those songs out of your head. Mm. I agree. Uh, I'm not going to say anything more about that record. I'm going to save that. Um, mate, thanks very much for going on. There you go. That is Rich Hobson's top five. Uh, we'll see more of you in 2024, I hope, Rich. Certainly shall. You're always welcome on the podcast. Always welcome. Always, uh, always a welcome guest. Nice to have your insight. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time, mate. Thank you very much, mate. You have a lovely Christmas and Happy New Year. I bloody will. There he is, lovely Rich Hobson. Lovely, lovely Rich and his lovely ways. Good picks from him. But let's get back to Sam's picks. Sam, um, you've done five. Mm. You know, we're getting getting close to that. The the money shot. Is that Ooh, a thing? No, it's not. No. Anyway, forget <laughs> it. Forget it. Not in this game. No, it doesn't work. In audio, Sorry, so I'm, I'm, no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, go on, anyway. Just do another album quickly before I say something stupid. Oh, God. Well, speaking of stupid, perhaps the only album that can outdo Punk Tactics for just unbridled, unstoppable fun, but with a hell of a lot more multifaceted madness crammed into it to the point that I think even Sam Raimi on the set of Dot Strange and the Multiverse of Madness might have gone a bit much. 10,000 Gex by 100 Gex. I mean, my word. I thought 100 Gex's debut album was pretty bad. And going back, I still don't really like it. It feels to me like that album was just a mishmash of memes for the sake of that post-ironic, dank Redditing community and didn't really have any focus or forethought. But I think on this follow-up, Dylan Bradley and Laura Les have managed to have their cake and fucking snarf it down. How many songs this year have been as ridiculously, infectiously upbeat as 757, whilst containing samples of Blaster Fire from Star Wars, without <laughs> feeling like they're taking the piss. Where A Thousand Kecks, I think, felt like the band kind of just having a bit of a laugh and having a play about, and it maybe just went a bit too far. 10,000 Gex feels like they've actually 
made something more communal out of it and they've made it a real a, a strange out of the box experience that everyone can go oh yeah that's mental but we're all having fun together aren't we it's as <laughs> mad as a box of frogs the frog is on the floor uh, I do still have the sticking point that I brought up back when we reviewed it, Steve. Of um, I got my tooth removed. It's just a little bit too close for the naffery of real big fish for me to put this like yeah. right up, the, it, right at the top of the end of the year. But yeah. I do think that being said, by that point in the album, the album's only 26 minutes long. By that point, though, I think they've earned their right to take the piss because we've had rages like Dumbest Girl Alive, which has got a kind of... <laughs> hyper pop version of the crazy train riff running through it you've got doritos <laughs> and fritos which i remember you talking about back when this was riot act steve and you were absolutely right to fucking bang on about that song and then you've got the crush kill destroy at the end of billy knows jamie probably one of the heaviest breakdowns of of this decade absolutely ridiculous gas did you ever hear this i don't think we've ever spoken about 100 gex me and you no we haven't mate too busy talking about Milloy. He said it. Yeah, he said it on me. <laughs> um, no, mate, I've never... It's This isn't the first time that I've heard either you or Steve kind of mention this band. Um, and it's always been on one of those ones of like, I need to check this out because it sounds fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's mad. And I've yet, for mad. whatever reason, I've never kind of checked it out. I need to. I really do need to, but part of me thinks you will that feel old <laughs> every time I look at the fucking mirror. <laughs> I you will age twenty years oh, just from God. five minutes of hundred gex. Uh, trust me. Yeah. Um. I mean, I must say, it, wait. it's even a bit too kind of contemporary for me. I think some of the references in there are probably things that I don't understand. So good luck. Oh. Good luck to both of you. But uh, oh. yeah, I think um I can see why people wouldn't like this. I think there is an element of 100 Gex just as a band that is, oh, you'll get used to my mad sense of humour. But I think they pull it <laughs> off here and 26 of yeah. the most fun minutes I've had this year. Great. Great. Mm. All right. Well, that's quite a hard one to follow, but off you go. Well, we like fun, don't we? And we like Creeper. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Creeper a bit a strange one for me. Uh, I remember little Stephen Hill, wide-eyed and full of optimism, little. showering that Southampton outfit. 36 when that fucking shit came out, yeah, mate. Don't yeah. worry, me. I'm like real... You're a big you know, boy. You're a big no, boy. little yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, big boy, yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember you <laughs> showering those EPs with praise uh, back on That's Not Metal, obviously. That was when I heard about Creeper. I would imagine it's the case for quite a few people. I was totally with you there. Eternity in your arms didn't really work for me and I kind of just assumed that that was going to be the end of my relationship with Creeper Sex, Death and the Infinite Void comes along Cyanide swayed by way of glam lovely stuff that really struck a chord with me and then it felt like it's been such a long time between albums that I kind of just thought oh whatever happened to them it felt like they were going to be massive uh, and I heard that this album was coming I was like eh, yeah whatever I'm not making that mistake again like I say uh Jim Steinman's typo negative hybrid on Further Than Forever, amazing. The Depeche Modisms that make up Black Heaven, amazing. And of course, the Billy Idol bitten by the horniest vampire you can imagine that is Cry to Heaven. That's enough to secure Creeper a place deep in my heart for the rest of their days and mine. Um, Will Gould's hooks are unstoppable. Ian Miles' guitars are fantastic. The aesthetic that they meticulously build up around each release and then actually have in their music, it's not all style over substance. I think they're a supplying band. I mean, who wouldn't want a sexier, sadder, 
camper and funnier version of the Sisters of Mercy. Cowards, that's who. No offence, Gaz. <laughs> I'm taken. <laughs> that is in my notes. Don't worry. I did put no offence, Gaz. So <laughs> it's fun. You're, you st- nice to know you're sticking to the script. Yeah, no freestyle in here. Big time. No, I'm, don't, don't free- I'm not Billy Woods. <laughs> I'm going to let Gaz talk about this if he wishes to. Um... Have you warmed to it at all since you reviewed it, guys? Because I know you weren't you weren't keen on the album. Right? No, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm still kind of a bit. What's the word? Ambivalent to this band, and it kind of it. Frus- it frustrates me more because really, I should fucking love this. Really, this is a proper bit of me. Yeah. You know, Jim Steinman meets Sisters of Mercy. I mean, come on, what's not to love about that? And yeah, like you, Sam, I first became aware of um, of Creeper. Yeah, it was on. That's not a metal man. You know, it was like it was like Creeper Watch, wasn't it? It was like every week there would be something said about this new incredible British band. Mm. And see, I I, I, I didn't sometimes even by me. Yeah, well. when, when you, when hey. you get a word in edgeways, <laughs> have a word. Yeah, <laughs> oh, oh. good times, good times. Um. Unlike Sam, I, I I quite liked Eternity in your arms initially. I was like, oh, this this is fucking great, you know. Black Rain, Suzanne, you know, hiding with hiding with boys, probably still the my favourite Creeper song. Um, but yeah, the new I just I don't know, man. There was there's just something about it where I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Christ of Heaven, I really do like. That is that's pure. Um, that's brilliant. I don't know if I said it during the review, Steve. Maybe you'll remember. I'll, I'll, it basically comes, it reminds me so much of like the soundtrack. There's an 80s film called Streets of Fire that was directed by Walter Hill and all the music was done yeah, by yeah, like, Jim yeah, Steinman. Yeah. Um, it's kind of kind of a musical for people who don't like musicals. I think that's why I liked it. Um, but it's so kind of like over the top and b- bombastic. Yeah, you know, quite, it, I don't know. I, I am I am going to continue with it because maybe it'll click, maybe it will. Because the last album I just didn't really click, and again it should have done because it, you know all the kind of pulpisms and the Britpop kind of callbacks and stuff. I should have liked it, and I don't know why. And it is it, it's nothing, you know. I, I would never say old oh, creeper or rubbish because they're not. They're they're, a, they're an amazing band. It's just for whatever reason I'm just not getting it when all the the signs are there for me. For people to go, oh yeah, gas are like this. Yeah, gas are like that. For whatever reason, I don't know. And it, no it's act- it's bordering on frustrating me. <laughs> mm. It really is. Well, I like him. Well, that's good. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you, what's your next Skip one, to the Sam? End. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my next one, um, which well, I'd be surprised if it turned up in either your end of year list, but I do remember the two of you being positive about. Jay Jails, don't let your love life get you down. Um, it's a woozy, yeah. wheezing, defeated album um, that resolves to kind of carry on through its misery. He's the dark troubadour, uh, Evan Patterson and co making up Jay Jail. It's got that kind of Nick Tave, Nick Tave, Nick Cave dour baritone and the Tom Waits style vignettes, dark underbellies of love and hate. I think it's you know it's a, another powerhouse of kind of emotional gut punch. This time, uh, focusing much more on a kind of gritty, distorted Americana, indulges a lot more in poetic bleakness. And, it, and as a result, it doesn't quite hit the spot for me like 2020's Prison did. 
uh, because I think that just went to a few more places and did it really interestingly while still having that kind of coldness running through everything. But there is a gorgeous kind of monochrome dirge on something like the Party of Redemption, and it's hard to hear anything other than the stark honesty of what Evan Patterson is talking about in the wake of... I mean, it's a divorce album, is what it is. Um, and I've not experienced that myself, but that weight of loss and separation, as told through such vivid but fine brushstrokes of metaphor, I think it's brilliant. Again, I, I just really like JJ, and I think, but I think this is a, a very strong album indeed. Yeah, it is good. It is really good. I mean, this didn't make my top 20, mm. won't make my top 20, but I think, you know, Prison, as you say, I think is the, the one that yeah, I will yeah. always really love i've really fucking loved that album and this one is a bit different and it's still great mm. like we reviewed it it is great hard to follow up for me it's hard to follow up an album that i loved so much and you get kind of three years down the line maybe taste changed a bit and it didn't it hasn't grasped me in the same way but as you talk about it and as i think about it i was like oh yeah shit that is a really really good album mm. so yeah always will have time for evan patterson i think he's really really excellent and yeah the album was wicked you liked it as well didn't you i guess? did i really really enjoyed it um yeah part redemption and yeah uh that snake bite that was a really good song yeah yeah, yeah it's a beautiful album it, it, it was an artist i'd never kind of heard of before i'd heard the name mm. but never really kind of listened to like any of the stuff and yeah beautiful mm. beautiful and a very yeah tom waitsy come down kind of way yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I feel like the kind of the one the album before was almost like this kind of Berlin Bowie album, yeah. and this is more like his kind of Rain Dogs. Yeah, yeah man, very good. Uh, anyway, yeah, good shout, Sam. I'm mm. glad you brought that Thanks. one in. I've got one more before we throw over by my count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to ask one of you to restrain yourself, Steve. Feel free to jump in when you like because <laughs> it is Glorious Sunset by Hundred Reasons. Um, Steve asked, I think <laughs> rightly so when we reviewed this album way way back who who in their right mind would expect 100 reasons to be this good in 2023 <laughs> this fucking um, guy <laughs> <laughs> you and three other people who go yeah to <laughs> yeah but it's basically me and the guy that does their me and the guy that does their pr because he told me about this album about five months before it came out and he was like just you wait it's fucking great i bet jason perry loves it as well and ross from some <laughs> <laughs> but i tell you what mate i'm with you i, I, I tell you what i just say if the pr of 100 reasons went to me oh my god the new album's amazing i'd go i you, i know we've all got jobs to do mate but <laughs> yeah i'm not i after what's been happening before i don't believe you i'm sorry like, i'll listen to it for, for, things, for, for, but then he was right yeah, fortunately it was a very he old was friend of right. mine and he has taste so mm. yeah and he was but he was and right I, you know, but he wouldn't him. I for one believe it. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly. See, I would never have believed that person. No, no. no one could have convinced me no. that it was good. I had people, again, friends of mine who were going, oh, I've heard a couple of songs. It's really, really good. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, Sam. <laughs> I've hijacked your... No, not at all. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with the, the kind of fawning surprise because I absolutely love this. And I stand by the comment I made in that review. Yeah, Ideas Above a Station is the better album but Glorious Sunset is my favourite. I think it's the sound of a band growing old really, really gracefully and not churning out that same formula that they kind of struck gold with on the first album to exponentially lukewarm reception uh, only for the diehards who were there for Cerebra and Remus days, which is arguably exactly where they were on Quick the Word Sharp, the action 16 years ago. Oh, my gilly goodness. Mm. God, you're um, old. <laughs> aren't we all? Uh, I think this album's got so much warmth to it. and um, There's that palpable sense of quite beautiful honesty and it's just 
it undeniably feels like a group of mates who've always just wanted to write massive rock songs, getting to jam out those songs that they believe in, um, like I imagine they would have done in 1999. I think the old school way best exemplifies that. I think that's got enough of that knowingness in it that it sounds good sounding like it's a load of old mates playing in a garage, getting the band back together, let alone the triumph that is the title track. I think New Glasses and Replicate also really stand out on that album for me. No no laughing at that title in the middle there. I wasn't around for ideas, so I don't have the emotional tie to that time when 100 Reasons would have been a really, really exciting prospect. I also wasn't there for Race Cars, Race Car Backwards. And I would always take Devolver over in a heartbeat. I don't think there's many people who I could convincingly argue to me that Race Car is Race Car Backwards is better than Devolver. And I don't think there's many people who could convince me that uh, I'm ever going to prefer ideas to this. Glorious Sunset. Excellent. Excellent. Should we throw over to someone else while, we have, while we've got time? Yeah. I mean, look, it's not, made my te- it's not made my 20. It wasn't even really in the conversation for my no. 20. I think it is really good. I think it is really, really good. It's, it's, it's m- more than the most you ever could have hoped for mm-hmm. for a band like 100 Reasons. And I think you can't really pay it a bigger compliment than that. It is songs, multiple songs, half the album, I would say, are songs that I would now be willing to allow into the... Like, if I were going to see 100 Reasons, the only time I would ever consider going to see 100 Reasons would be, they're playing ideas above their station in full. And that was their career for a long time. Mm. And now you're like, well, actually, no, I don't need to see ideas above their station in full. I want to hear Glorious Sunset. I want to hear It Suits You. I want to hear... you know the old school way. I want to. I actually genuinely want to hear those songs, and I think that is like really surprising mm. and really shocking. Like as someone who has owned and listened to all of their albums, I did not see this coming. I mean, I did not see this coming. I mean, yeah, like I say, it's it's still for me like it's not going to make my twenty, mm. but I think it's you couldn't have imagined any more than no. this. I'm, you just I'm astounded and I'm dead chuffed and it has stayed with me all year hence it being here I think it's great well done 100 reasons well done well done Gaz you want to keep your lip button for that one is I'm it for nothing alright fair right let's uh, throw shocker. over to another <laughs> shocker let's throw over to another good friend of the show and a good friend of, it's my first ever podcast love no, no, actually, Gil. Gil. Yeah, Merlin yeah. Merlin Merlin of Louder, uh, former editor of Metal Hammer magazine, the man from the Metal Hammer podcast for many, many years. And uh, he came on early this year. We spoke about new metal, Kelsey Prees. But, you know, he likes all kinds of stuff. He picked his top five favourite albums of the year. And uh, here's me having a little chat with him. All right, he's here. He's back. The old school podcast legend. One of my first yeah. ever loves. Oh. <laughs> Oh, colleagues just colleagues really isn't it all right mel how you doing hello mate I'm, I'm very happy to be here thank you for having me always a pleasure to come on here and chat some shit with you so uh appreciate it very much oh no it's, you're always welcome always welcome uh you don't even have to phone ahead <laughs> little office should, guy, phone really. should phone ahead really how's your 2023 been mate it been good yeah it's been good man like uh pretty epic on a personal level, which is not what I'm here to talk about really, but on a musical level, it's been really good as well. I think we've talked um, unofficially many times about mm. uh, what kind of a year it's been for music. And it felt like it was a kind of solid enough year up until I think about autumn time. Yeah. And then it just felt like 
um, especially on the rock side of things as well, just felt like all this stuff started coming out nonstop. Like if I look at my entire list of albums across all genres that I've really rated this year, uh, I'd say about three, well, I'd say about half of them probably came between about the end of August and the end of October. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it's been mad, isn't it? Absolutely mad. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that this year sort of, it, it, it sort of sped up quite quickly. Once it got going, it really got going, but it took quite a while for it to, it was like a kind of old express train. It took a little while for those gears to start moving. There were some good albums, and then we got the great albums all seemed to come at once towards the end of the year, which makes lists like this really difficult, I think. Because you get oh, yeah, that stuff, you go like, I've only got, I've only had it for two months, so is it as good as the thing that I've had for 10 months? But Dems to breaks, I guess. Yeah, and I guess also you kind of, it sounds like a bit of a weird thing to say, but you know, other journalists or people who just like keeping lists of this kind of stuff, you kind of tend to have a bit of an idea with certain artists that you can't, that you kind of, they're in a good space and you're excited about the album. You could kind of think like this could be a, a big one. And then I think that makes it a bit easier. But when something just completely takes you by surprise, it's quite a lot of stuff has for me this year. In fact, most of the stuff in this list has. Um, I'm going to do for you now. It's, uh, yeah, it makes for a bit of a challenge, but it's a challenge that I'm up for and that I enjoy. Good. Did you get a top five easy? Because some people have gone top five, come on, top 10, top 20, come on. Yeah. To be honest, Steve, what I've done is I don't know if I think definitely two, probably three of these would be in my full on. These are my five favorite albums of the year list. Mm-hmm. But um, I've, you know, I've had a bit of intel about some of the other albums that might be getting talked about by other people, <laughs> as well as some of the albums that I know that you've already covered quite extensively uh, on the podcast. So I've kind of turfed out a couple of those in favor of some other records that I've really loved this year that I just thought it might be fun to talk about. So it's it's kind of just three top tier records. I don't know if this would be, you know, I'm not going to talk about the Avenged Sevenfold album, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reviewed that for Classic Rock uh, and gave it a like jizz worthy review. Um, and then I, uh, I'm not going to talk about the Creeper album either, which might be my favorite rock album of the year because I know that that's been talked about on here a lot. And I think someone else might be picking it. Those would be in here if it was just a case of these are my five favorites. But I thought I'd slip in a couple of other things just to, just to mix it up a bit because it's been such a good year across so many different uh, genres, scenes, everything else. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not keep beating around the bush. Let's do it. Let's start at number five. What have you gone for, Mel? So my number five, I'm going to talk about the Black Braid album. Black Braid 2. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you know what? I've not listened to this, so you'll have to do all the heavy lifting. Not a problem. So um, he's got quite a lot of attention, this guy. He's a Native American black metal artist. Also, that's the kind of, the, uh, I guess, the headline, if you will. Um, uh, and uh, when we first did a feature on him uh, on the Louder website, it was one of the most read articles of that whole month. So it's really kind of piqued people's interest, I think. And I have to admit, I was quite guilty of kind of ignoring him a bit when he turned up because when i kind of heard what it was supposed to be about i was a bit like you know i'm not really a big black metal person i like certain stuff and i like that stuff a lot um but when i heard this kind of stuff to describe to me like oh yeah it's like black metal with a few native american uh, traditional in- in- instruments and influences thrown in i was like i don't know if that sounds like it's gonna be the kind of thing i'm into so i kind of left it and then this album which came out months before i actually listened to it um I can't remember why I finally decided to get around to listening to it, but I did. And I was uh, very, very pleasantly surprised by what it is because there is black metal in there for sure. There's a lot of that, 
but actually it's got just as much footing in melodic death metal which i'm uh, you know is one of my favorite types of metal ever um bands like in flames arch enemy dark tranquility soil work all kind of got me into my first steps into extreme music and were, were, were kind of like my favorite thing uh, when i really got into metal in a big big way um after the kind of new metal years um and you know as much as there's kind of like i said those kind of like scandy norway kind of old school black metal influences in there i hear just as much you know a modern mark for instance um it's got that really kind of propulsive proper heavy metal gung-ho feel to it um but there's none of the kind of and i love a modern mark so this is absolutely not a uh a diss at all but it's got none of that kind of cheesy side to it it's just full-on like epic makes you want to fucking swing an axe around on top of a mountain heavy metal um and i love it like it's not it's not you know there is a bit of uh native american instrumentation in there and stuff but it kind of comes in in little subtle ways it's not like a major thing underpinning it i just think this is an example of this kind of thing done to the best possible level it can be done and really importantly, I think the production on it is absolutely phenomenal. Like it just sounds massive. I'm not someone who likes their metal to sound like it was recorded in a sock. I know some people dig that. It's not for me. I like metal to sound big, epic, powerful, um, full layered. Uh, and this has done that. So it's a bit of a weird one because a lot of what really drives this album isn't something that most metalheads won't have heard before. But I'd, like I said, I just think it's done in such a good way that it's ended up being one of my most listened to albums this year, which is actually a recurring thing for one of the album albums I've picked, funny enough. But um, yeah, it is bloody great. Yeah, I listened to the first one and I was like, eh. And so I didn't even bother with this one. Do you, w- should I listen to this? You know what I like. Is it worth I feel this? like I feel like it's not... I, I feel like you're just not quite as partial to that stuff. I know you like a bit of old school wind flames and stuff as much as the next mm. respectable person, but I feel like it doesn't tickle that little fancy that you have for certain things in the way it does for me um uh, i just think it's uh i just think it's really a big sounding fun decent heavy metal and um every so often there's an album that comes along that's like that where it's like i've heard this before but i've not heard this done this well in a long time you know there's a new inflame out in album out this year that i thought was good um but i actually think this is even better as far as kind of melodic extreme metal goes hmm. uh, so yeah it, it's very much like if you're particularly into this kind of thing uh you'll absolutely love it i can see why someone who's not that bothered about hearing Meredith in the year of our lord 2023 might pass over but i thought it was great and um it's probably one of my most listened to metal albums this whole year wow okay all right well i'll think about it put it that way i'll put it <laughs> i'll put it on the maybe pile um number four go on what you got so i've got another metal album here uh this is a band who i've been listening to a bit pretty much since they first turned up about four or so years ago i think it was um i picked this heathen land by green lung their third studio album Mm. um i don't know if this is one you've covered on the podcast much but again this is very much like uh like not in reinventing any wheels here but they are making them spin spectacularly um, and I've got a bit of a soft spot for this band as well because it was a Green Lung gig that was actually my first, both my first indoors gig and my first metal gig in, um, no, my first indoor metal gig, sorry, yeah, in, a, or in two years pretty much uh, because of the pandemic. They were the first band that I went to see at an indoor venue after the initial 
um, first couple of years of the pandemic has started to lift. So I've got a bit of a soft spot for them for that as well. But I think this album, I mean, you know this, Steve, like I've been into metal for nearly 25 years now. And it feels like every few years, this kind of movement of like kind of traditionalist, old school, 70s riffs and all that jazz kind of Black Sabbath reincarnated. Um, this kind of thing comes around every so often. Like this is at least the third time I can think of where an old school sounding stonery metal band has started to get a lot of traction and a lot of press and a lot of attention. But I think much like Black Brave, but I think probably even more uh, emphatically, I think it's been a long, long time since I've heard these kind of big, doomy, old school Black Sabbath style riffs done in a way that actually makes it feel fresh. Again, the production is so important for this kind of thing. It feels like a very modern metal album, despite the very old school slant. Um, and uh, I just think it's just packing bangers. It's just packing absolute bangers. I mean, the first three songs on this album, Forest Church, Mountain Throne, um, Maxine. Massive. Absolute rages. Like it almost reminds me of Ghost, about how Ghost kind of have their kind of footing in old school heavy metal, but then they just know their way around the really big, rollicking, anthemic rock song. Um, so it's got a bit of that vibe to it as well. And I just think uh, whatever it is that they're doing to produce something that sounds this good in a genre that's been so done to death over the last 50 years um, is amazing. And I've, you know, I have seen them live and uh, <clears throat> you should never listen with your uh, eyes, obviously, <laughs> you should always listen with your ears, but they look cool as fuck as well. They don't look mm. like just a bunch of like, you know, Johnny Metals who could play in any given Wednesday night down at the Underworld in Camden or something. Like they look like um, a bunch of almost kind of like scuzzy punk, some of them, and it just gives them a whole different feel, I think. And it just makes it for a slightly different uh, shade of this whole thing than I think we're used to. Um, and yeah, I think the album's brilliant. I'm going to see them in Brighton on Sunday and I'm very excited because I just feel like these songs are going to sound massive live. I liked everything they've done before, but I feel like they've taken that big step up where they're like, right, we need to write songs that can fill big venues now. I think they've done that. Mm. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast, this specific podcast as well, you'll have already heard me talking to Rich about um, Green Lung. So you know what I think. You've already heard me saying it. That's three people on this podcast who have been very positive now about Green Lung. We didn't actually review it when it came out. That's one thing I should say. We didn't actually review it when it first came out. And I feel like it wouldn't have been something that I necessarily would have gone to unless I had to do the hammer feature that I was talking about a little bit earlier. And I'm fucking glad I did because, yeah, as you've already heard, great, great record. Great record. Um, go on then, number three. So number three is a, is a complete uh, left turn from what we're talking about. No more metal now, no more riffs. <laughs> We're into <laughs> uncharted territories. Um, I've picked the, well, I don't know if it's technically an album because it is literally called A Mixtape by Anish Kumar, but um, it's an album length record. It was all unreleased material when it came out. So to me, it's like, it's basically an album. That counts, so I, I've really, definitely. I've picked, sorry? That counts. This mi the kind of mixtape album thing, you, you can have it, I think. I don't know what the difference is, like, go. Brilliant. Good. Whatever. Well, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's the debut album ish from Anish Kumar, who is a British DJ, and um, that I've been following for a couple of years. He put out a number of EPs and singles in that time, uh, and this is his first kind of full length, kind of proper, like I said, ish release. Um, he's of South Asian heritage, and he puts a lot of that kind of stuff into his music. So he's produced this really unique and kind of fun, and sometimes almost slightly eccentric mix of like 
almost kind of like Bollywood inflected influences with like funky house, disco. There's a little sprinkling of kind of hip hop, trip hop kind of stuff on there. Um, and it's one of the most unique things happening in the dance scene right now. And I think he's absolutely brilliant. He's he's super young as well. I think he's still at uni at the moment while he's like putting out this uh, putting out this material. But um, you know, if you if you like the idea of like fun, propulsive, funky, very diversely influenced uh um, electronic music like i don't think you'll find much better than this record it's really really good and it like it's just got a certain kind of warmth to it that um i really like as well and uh i think he's he along with someone else i'm going to talk about in a bit is uh one of the very 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 most exciting british young djs in the scene at the moment yeah i think i've heard you mention his name to me a couple of times i've not gone in but that from what you just said does sound really really super exciting i think that like yeah that's a that sounds like a really amazing mix of stuff you know like i think they've mm. i mean i haven't heard it so i don't want to kind of jump out and be like oh what like knitting sawney from back in the 90s or you know like whatever but yeah but like i i feel like from what you just described i should have probably listened to this before I will send this to you and I reckon you will like it because it's got a just it's just got like a real vibrancy to it that I think um you know this isn't even probably my favorite electronic release of the year to be honest but it, it's definitely more vibrant than anything else that would make my list of you know that particular style it's just mm. got like like I say it's just got this real warm energy to it and it's just like it's the kind of thing you could really imagine just stumbling across while you're at a festival like Latitude or Glastonbury or one of those and it's like kind of late hazy afternoon and you just hear this really enticing exciting blend of different styles being pumped out of a stereo somewhere and it just makes you instantly want to dance and just have a good time like it's really really good cool all right that's anish kumar i could for me i thought he said nish kumar i was like what the comedian for, no 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 anish okay. kumar anish kumar all right sweet good right well who came tantalizingly close to being your album of the year mel tantalizingly close and for me this is comfortably no disrespect to Kylie Minogue um, or Ellie Goulding, who actually felt a really good pop album this year against all odds. Uh, uh, this for me is comfortably the best pop album of the year. It's Caroline Polajek's Desire, I Want to Turn Into You. Ah. Um, now, I had not heard of Caroline Polajek mm. before this record. Um, I know that she's she's uh, quite a storied artist. She was She's an American, for people that were similarly ignorant in the way I was or still are, uh, she's an American singer-songwriter. She used to be in, um, I don't know if they're defunct or not now, but she was in an indie pop duo called Chairlift, who, again, I'd never listened to before mm-hmm. this record came out. Uh, this is actually her fourth solo album, um, and it's just it's just brilliant. It's just one, she's one of those artists that has this completely unique, I'm not, um, I'm not comparing them in terms of actual sound, but like a Janelle Monae or a Marina and the Diamonds, like just someone who sounds completely unique and, completely apart from anything else that's going on in the pop scene right now like pop at the moment is borderline obsessed with kind of like 80s kind of shimmering synthy stuff into yeah. like kind of like rehashing the kind of early 2000s dance kind of sound i think that's all over pop music at the moment and some of it's brilliant like me and Steve went to see the weekend together it was fucking great mm. but um i think she she does do a little bit of that like the, the opening song welcome to my island does have a bit of that kind of synthy 80s pop stuff but then it goes off into so many different directions and styles. Like you could name, you could name Marina the, the Diamonds. You could name Kate Bush. You could name Enya. You can hear a bit of an influence in there. <laughs> um, 
there's like a, a song on there called fly to you which is like a kind of trippy floaty half time kind of drum and bass song with like dido and grimes on it's just all these fascinating little things going on and there's all these lovely little kind of fluttery percussive bursts and and like little bits of like glitchy electronica going around on it it's just every song sounds different but it all sounds totally unique and it all sounds tied into her kind of uh her personality and her style i think it's you know i think if i wasn't so biased towards certain types of music i think this probably would have been in my album of the year but there's just certain things that tick my box a little bit more and that's why it just didn't quite get quite get to top spot but it is it is brilliant yeah we reviewed this right at the start this came out in like february end of january february like right at the start of the year right it's yeah come out ages I, ago it was another one that i didn't listen to for a few weeks until after it had come out but yeah yeah it came out yeah yeah so because i remember we did me and sam reviewed it right at the start of the year and i think we were both like oh this is good and it will probably benefit from repeated listens and i have to say much to my sort of shame as you talk about it i haven't really given it the repeated listens that i felt like it probably needed at the time whether that's just because other things came out or i was too busy or whatever but yeah it's one of those ones that i sort of listened to it and was like this is really cool but it's like you say it's quite a lot to kind of to take in in one sitting do you know what i mean it was quite a lot of like oh fuck this is because you're right she's unique she's different she's very different and she's very different within the kind of like say the popular realm of pop at the moment um and i was a bit like oh some of this is really good and some of it hasn't quite grabbed me some of it hasn't quite hit me and i so now i feel like i need to go back to it i feel like i need yeah, to, you've given me top. yeah you've given me the impetus to go back to it because yeah for whatever reason it was just that time of the year where everything just sort of came along and i was like you just sort of scrambling for stuff and it just got lost down the cracks for some reason so i will do that mate i promise you i will do that but <laughs> i know yeah I, I don't worry i will um so the album of 2023 from the mind of mr merlin alderslade is so i have gone with uh i am partial to a lovely bit of well-produced <laughs> electronica or edm dance music whatever the hell you want to call it and to my mind this is the best example of that that i have heard probably since that last bicep album which was you know not far off three years ago now mm. um i've gone for barry can't swim's debut album when will we land this is another producer that i've been listening to for a couple of years now and uh, he put out a brilliant ep called sonder either last year or the year before can't quite remember when it first came out and that title track is actually on here as well mm-hmm. um uh, Barry Carlson is the alias of a gentleman called Joshua Manny. Um, I think it's Manny or Maney. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his surname. Should look that up. But um, he's a Scottish producer signed to Ninja Tune, who are behind a lot of the very best kind of upcoming uh, dance artists. Mm. Um, and it's one. It's just. It's the kind of thing that is very much up my alley when it comes to electronic music. That kind of lower, but still in its own way quite propulsive, beautifully produced, kind of shimmering modern EDM um it's it's got like kind of lovely kind of floaty house on there there's kind of shoegazy bits on there there's a track on there called dance of the crabs which is uh this has this almost kind of carnivalesque vibrancy to it and there's a song on there called i don't i won't let you down which sounds kind of like moby meets massive attack um again it's another one that's quite diverse and it sounds and its influences but it all flows beautifully i actually was playing the vinyl um uh yesterday and uh it's all kind of like mixed in together in one long mix and it just sounds amazing so 
if you were into this kind of thing and it's been a really good year for dance music as well there's been that orbital album which was great the Overminer records great as i said the anish kumar album is fantastic but i think the barry can't swim record is the best so much so that i genuinely think it is the best album of the year i've been playing it almost non-stop since it came out last month yeah i'm not going to say too much about this record because obviously we will be doing our end of year list i mean it's a bit of a is it a spoiler? Well, maybe it'll get in. Maybe it won't. Who knows? But what I will say is, uh, yeah, I think this has been a year where I have massively reconnected with EDM, electronic music, dance music again, probably since hearing that Leftfield album that came out at the end of uh, the, the end of 2022. I remember hearing that and being like, "Core, cool, I really want more of this sort of stuff. Mm, and it's yeah, it's really, really good. And um yeah and this is one that you recommended to me and i'm dead glad you recommended it to me because all the stuff you've said about it is true i would mm. i would say so um yeah good pick mate good pick thanks. good picks plural thanks it's been a good year honestly there are other records in there that i could have thrown in there um didn't have any hip-hop in there which i've just realized Do you want to give a few honorable mentions while you're here yeah, the No Name Records, which you got me mm -hmm. into. In fact, both both my favourite hip-hop records from this year, or rap records at least from this year, are, are ones that you got me into, which is the No Name album, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cass's Dead album is absolutely brilliant as well. I'm sure you've talked yeah, about both of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're, into, if you're into rap music of any kind, those are kind of to be the two that I'd, I'd most uh, recommend. Uh, oh God, it's just been such a great year. I mean, if it was all albums kind of included, I definitely would have had Creeper and... Um, and avenged in that list. Uh, I thought the Orbital Land was fantastic that came out earlier this year. We're talking about left field, it feels like those kind of um, veteran electronic artists have been out really great stuff right now. The Orbital Land, brilliant if you like that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's just been it's just been great. Everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything everything's been very good. Uh, apart from the Chainsmokers album, which I haven't heard, but I'm going to say that that probably wasn't good. Anyway, thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and your opinions on music. Keep up the recommendations in 2024 because I'll probably have to hit you up for more um, kind of dance music bangers. Get on that Anish Kumar album first. I'll sort you out for the rest of the year. I will. I will definitely do that. All right, mate. Have a good one. See you in the new year. Probably do some more new metal stuff in the new year, innit, on the podcast? Yeah, that's put, a bit of me. Put the old new metal bat signal up into the air and get you back, innit? Anytime, mate. Anytime. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. See you soon. There he is, Merly Cakes, loving life. Good to see him again. Uh, Sam, one thing I didn't ask you earlier, and I did, I was like, along with the gigs and the festivals mm -hmm. and the, the like, I didn't ask you, so we're going to chuck it in here. I did say pick a I just don't get it of the year. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I didn't want to interrupt you, say, oh, whoa, 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 before we jumped in. I thought I might save it for the end to yeah. end it on a bit of a lighthearted note, but nah, fuck it. Um, I've not gone for an album, got a bit off piste. I have gone for the inexplicable renaissance and reappraisal of Creed as my I don't get this of the year. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck Ooh. is going on there? Like, I'm glad you're all having well fun done, on Sam. TikTok being ironic pretending you like the band and like i'm sure there are plenty of people out there who do genuinely like creed there's when... fucking millions sam there are what, millions what over here because whenever i press someone who says oh i'm really into creed to say oh what, what is it that you like about them they go oh and it's like well, no in, you don't in, do you in places you... like in places like texas yeah and, uh, probably yeah. what spurred them on yeah <laughs>
yeah but uh yeah i don't have loads to say on it just stop stop please like because otherwise we're going to get to a point where like godsmack uh are actually going to tour in the uk because they'll have enough ticket sales to justify yeah. it so yeah don't do that so well no. well we have a christmas special it's just a nice time to bring this in we do we have a christmas special that we're going to be putting out and because he released a christmas album mark Tremonti of alter mm. bridge and solo and also he's increased unfortunately well, like, yeah. yeah unfortunately and i asked him point blank creed coming over and he went no we're not big enough over there really we're just not big I, enough. and i was I, like correct i reckon he just doesn't want to correct. spend that long with scott stapp i think and what what man would what man wouldn't yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> what man, man would yeah so don't worry about it if you are like sam don't worry i have it on good authority that creed i don't think are coming over mm. if you are a creed fan and you're hearing that and you're like ah, oh, don't worry we'll have a little interview with mark Tremonti in a couple of weeks so it's a win-win situation i would yeah, say for everyone. everyone's happy it's a winner yeah. everyone's a winner right we're in the top 10 well we're not in the top 10 but we've got 10 more yeah, albums yeah. five more and then we get that elusive the top five let's spots. hear it sam uh so this one i will keep especially review uh, brief because you two reviewed it last week but i wasn't gonna Ooh. do a top 20 of the year and not talk about quaranta by danny brown um it is mm-hmm. absolutely sublime as the two of you said i know i know steve you enjoyed it that little bit more than gaz i know gaz you did still really enjoy it but i yeah. think danny brown's distinctive bro- uh, vocal kind of bringing in that reflexive brightness to tracks that at first were informed by like upbeat golden age hip-hop aesthetic something like tantor or dark sword angel in the record's first half whilst dealing with quite you know dark and uh very candid lyrics all the way through it was something i really admired about the kendrick album that was my album of the year last year not shying away from the ugly side of the person who is writing it the way it then moves from that into a really apt dourness as we get into songs like celibate and shakedown for the finale i think is pretty masterful and it flows so brilliantly it feels like you are kind of descending with danny brown on whatever the story is that he is trying to tell i mean i hope that there's some kind of pleasant resolution because the album does feel like it ends on a bit of a downer but i think it's been really interesting since first hearing it going back and listening to his previous albums and i think in particular there's a there's a through line a thematic through line between atrocity exhibition you know what i'm saying and quaranta and it shows this incredibly talented mc growing and evolving with a real grace and decorum and reflexivity that he needs to kind of address things that maybe haven't been so pleasant in his career you know i think his lyrics can be harsh they can be biting they can be self-critical they can lash out but i think they do often resolve themselves in a really exciting and satisfying narrative so yeah very happy with that very happy with that yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant it is brilliant fuck it it's it's fucking brilliant it's um maybe come a little bit late in the year mm, to kind mm. of get into my 20 to be honest yeah. but i think danny brown is unquestionably one of the most unique voices in hip-hop in the last since the 2010s really and i think the, the comparison with kendrick is a really really good one because he's almost like this kind of like evil joker version of kendrick <laughs> yeah do you yeah. know what i mean like he's he's too kendrick is incredibly challenging for a mainstream mm. audience i think danny brown is too challenging for a mainstream mm. audience hence why i think he's not as big as some of his peers but unquestionably he's i would probably more talented mm. fucking brilliant mm. yeah have you revisited it much since the review gaz or oh yeah shall we oh, okay. let's do right. it today let's oh well, that's to good today. that's good so yeah. did i yeah. so here we yeah go. it's yeah, um it's really good i'm kind of 
try and sort of like it is almost like we're, you know we're in a bit of a race against time to you know to get it down to like the, like the last 20 I really want to, I really do want to kind of squeeze this into my 20 mm. I've done if it's just come slightly too late because I, I, I look at the you know my shortlist I've got it down to 20 now not including Danny Brown and I'm struggling which one do I take out to put Danny Brown I think if Danny Brown had come out like summertime mm. um, yeah it would have been straight in there easily mm. But but it's it it's absolutely superb. It's one of the best hip hop albums yeah, of the year. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I I there there have been some albums uh that I am sure the two of you will talk about, notable by their absence in my list that I just didn't quite connect with as much, whereas Danny Brown, no, it it hasn't been out very long and I've not listened to it as much mm. as most of the other stuff in this list, but it just really really yeah. hit me in just the right way and it was like yeah I've, I've got to put that in there it's got to be there so yeah it's yeah, a great so choice it's really really good yeah. right go on then got nine left Woo-hoo! Sam well number nine one that I guarantee won't be in either of your lists is The Grey In Between by Jerome's Dream it's the second album from the returning Screamo Underground Bands band um, it's about as bastard heavy as you can get without completely sacrificing melody. And even though they don't always necessarily manage that, there are some songs on this that are just harsh noise and blast beats, but it's always really taut and bleakly agonizing. There's really unsettling passages of dark nihilism running through it. But for every moment of that, or maybe every 10 moments of that, you get one distorted to fuck straight up punk rock banger like Stretched Invisible from London or one of the best crushing riffs of the entire year for me in the form of A-A-E-E-A-A which does feel a bit like um, you know some kind of a cliche of a northerner asking for directions but it comes swinging at you like fists covered in concrete straight to your jugular it's really bloody nasty it's appallingly noisy but crucially it does have songs and it does have hooks and it just feels good to have 20 odd minutes of something horrible like this to fall back on yeah that's all you need, mate. That's all you need. Ten songs in twenty-four minutes. Mm. Proper old school trust kill records meets I don't know pre a day to remember victory records kind of or like Hawthorne Heights <laughs> victory <laughs> records. Like um Blimey. Yeah, I I, re- I reviewed this for Metal you Hammer. Did. And the thing is is like Jerome's Dream were not a big band no. from that scene at that point they were around at that point but i mean well maybe they were in the u.s maybe they had a kind of cult following in the u.s but they never really they didn't come over to the uk they didn't really release any music they weren't really a thing that anyone really paid attention to in that kind of you know the the, the poison the well walls of jericho uh fucking thursday like chucking whatever that kind of late 90s early 2000s converged around a man nora kind of thing like they weren't a band that i really thought of you know, when there were so many others at that period, but then for them to come back and release this and it's like, oh shit. And it's so brilliantly reminiscent of that time. Yeah. I, I do really like this again, not in my top 20. I didn't think it would be. It's, but it's fucking good. This oh, album. So if you good. like that old school, kind of, uh, mathy sort of mathy melodic post hardcore, hardcore metallic, hardcore, uh, yeah, this is mm, dead good. It, this is this is be an album that you should absolutely check out. I definitely, think. it is well yeah. nasty. Hello, nasty, as I say to Jerome's dream. Mm. Hello, nasty. Mm. <laughs> again, <Yeah>. again, <laughs> bringing up bringing up the fourth best, fifth best Beastie Boys album oh, again. There he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, go on then. What we got next? 
uh my next one is the first album of this year that was in the genuine shout of staying in the top spot um obviously the fact that it's here means that others have come through and superseded the excellence of heavy heavy by young fathers um still one of the most singular pieces of art that i have heard this year i think to take the dour lilt of that kind of folksy indie rock particularly the scottish bent being that that is where they're from and channel it through a filter of afro b and keep this strong sense of kind of triumphant adversity all the way through it there's nothing else i've heard that that hits the mark like this i think it's uh, majestic i think it'd be the only word for it it's so sunshiny and kind of fiery in its positivity even when it is talking about some pretty dark subject matter i mean they ex- examine the ideas of like being a broken or trapped soul on something like tell somebody the ideas of love and death and how they intertwine on shoot me down or hereditary guilt on sink or swim even still i think they make an absolute joy all the way through even with really quite difficult quite challenging subject matter and for a band like that to win scottish album of the year i think is really really impressive i also think they were fantastic opening for tabesh mode earlier at twickenham this year i was very very happy to see a band like that get that kind of support slot and for me they absolutely smashed it um yeah young fathers heavy heavy Heavy, heavy, yeah, heavy. Good, as near as the young ones would say. Did you listen to that one, Gaz? I didn't know. Oh, that was kind mate. Of, that, oh, yeah. I think you'd really like it. I think you're really not the like first it. person to say that. Mm. Just, just too much music. I've never been so clued up on new, fresh tings <laughs> as, as I have been over the past kind of, whatever it's been now, six months. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I think this was... This, when did this come out? This was uh, uh, very, very, very early, early in the yeah. year. Yeah, like yeah. first week of Feb, I think it came out. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, kind of passed, mate. I'll tell you what, I'm going to st- I'm gonna stick it on the old uh, Apple Music now. It'll be on on the van tomorrow. Dude, I saw, <laughs> when you get I tell to you I saw, you'll bloody love it. Good times. Consid- right. Considering, you know, they've won a Mercury Prize in the past, mm. I, I, having gone back to their other material, I do actually think this is their best record. I think it is, yeah. The best one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. everything they've done is Personally. really good, but I think this this is the best. Yeah, yeah, it is mm. the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, go on then. What is next, Sam? Our next one is what we now know to be the final Ohms album, Rot by Ohms. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, funny we should just say that about Young Fathers. For my money, my favourite Ohms album. It doesn't have necessarily the longer, expansive works that we saw on stuff like Fool and on Close. You know, it doesn't have a song like The Anchor, which is what they ended their Damnation Festival set with, by the way. They were really, really good. Um... This is just uh, over half an hour. I think it's about 36 minutes of absolute bangers, more riffs and choruses than you could shake a stick at. And I would estimate probably in the top three albums that I've listened to in full this uh, most this year, um, from that slow drawl of Let's Scare Jessica to Death as it starts as the first song proper, going into this massive drone riff all the way through to the end of Swamp Song. I don't think there's a wasted second for me. And it all comes to a head on the song Sisters. I think that trade-off of Paul's gravelly baritone and the smooth kind of slightly tentative warmth of their bassist Cheney, it's not a song that's left my head since the second I first heard it, and it gets played at least at least once a week, uh, particularly when I'm setting up at work because it has got that kind of <laughs> horrifying sense of dread about it. Um, <laughs> as I say, their final set at Damnation this year, they were great. They opened with the first three tracks proper from this album. Blood Feast in particular sounded great. And I think 
it kind of exemplified for me what it is I really, really like about Ames because the gloriousness of being at this really heavy metal festival, but getting to actually belt along to some massive tunes, it, it did make it stand out as a highlight. I think that is, that, well, now was Ames' greatest strength. You can get some unbelievably heavy, unbelievably moving tracks, and you can also get horror film inspired ragers that just set themselves apart from all of their peers, I think. Yeah, brilliant Ohms. It's sad to see you go, but what a farewell. Mm, yeah, they're excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really excellent. And that is a good album. It's a good album. <clears throat> I should pick it up for a tenner. Someone well. else. Well, that was good. Uh, Someone else can talk now. Oh, <laughs> go on, Gaz. Do you want to talk or do you want me to just keep going? Keep going, mate. Yeah, uh, Ohms, that's, yeah. That's, that's, cla- that's, that's a classic Sam album. Yeah, big time, big time, big time. Uh, I'll tell you what else is a classic Sam album because uh, technically now, two years running for me and Gabriel's, uh, oh. maybe shouldn't have had Angels and Queens part one last year, but I did, and I'm having the full version this year. Um, mm. I thought for about five seconds about whether I was going to do that or not, but obviously I was, because when you've got this beautiful and <laughs> cinematic and soulful a blend of big band by way of jazz and dance hall in smoky clubs and concert theatres all at the same time, how was I not going to put it in? It's a really warm, really warm album even in its darkest places um it is utterly gorgeous the way it ebbs and flows between the the delicate honesty and almost whispered vocals and the full-throated soul that jacob lusk is able to give where he is able to channel everyone from uh sylvester CeeLo green billy holiday nina simone every legend of philadelphia soul every legend of motown you want to bring into the conversation he is an absolute superstar i think it's it's a beautiful album that can move between um, these different emotional journeys but never lose that sense of cohesion or feeling, which kind of surprising that it's two EPs almost smushed together because it's not like you've got part one that leads into part two. The track listings are divvied up in a way that I wouldn't have expected. Um, I think if you take the, the swing and the vibrance of something like Offering juxtaposed with the heartbreak that you get in The Blind, that is a prime example. And they are two songs from the two different halves that are put together um i think it it gives you unmistakably separate and yet really unified experiences and still sounds distinctively gabriel's i know they're only a band technically on their debut album but they've nailed it i think it's beautiful beautiful i want to hear jacob's lusk's voice all the time it's like warm honey so We'll move on, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Your silence speaks volumes. Dead air time is a crime and all that. Check the small phone <laughs> on your contract. You failed to control me. Um, well, I think uh, the last one before I go into my top five. Oh, I'm as shocked as you are that the above by Code Orange has just, just missed out on the top five because they are <sighs> the most consistently forward-thinking metal band going and they have done it again with the addition of that 90s alt rock that brings a new distinctive flavor to their particular idiosyncrasy of industrial trip hop hardcore metalcore whatever you want to call it where you got nine inch nails meets massive attack with a bit of typo in underneath the above has all that but introduces a healthy dollop of smashing pumpkins and Alice in Chains to just add another another string to their bow to broaden out that, that scope even further. I think Take Shape, like I said when we reviewed it, Steve, a bona fide rock club banger. That should be played regularly in every less than salubrious, sticky, flawed venue you want <laughs> to go to. I think Mirror 
could well be Reba's finest moment as the melodic heart and soul of the band. But then when she does open up the traps and get really gnarly alongside Jamie on something like Snapshot, which I still maintain is my favourite Code Orange song to date, you realise just how many aces there are in Code Orange's uh, collective hole, which is quite an unpleasant way of putting it, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, They can still batter anyone you like. You've got Grooming My Replacement in the game, which are savage. But ultimately, with a band like Code Orange, the most interesting and effective thing about them is their unwillingness to stay still and be content doing one thing. Um, I thought, and as I said in the review, I thought I broadly knew what to expect from a Code Orange album. They've shut me up for life because I didn't expect this. I thought, you know, they'll do something a bit different, but ultimately it'll sound like a Code Orange album. And it does, but I didn't expect it to be quite so different and pulled from so many far-reaching genres and ideas. You can't second-guess them. Their ambition, their execution is astounding. They have smashed it for the third album on the trot. And I kind of can't believe that they still didn't make my top five. They sound good, that band. I should check them out. Oh, you might like them. (laughs) 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 Right, I tell you who we're going to throw to now. We're going to throw to the one and only Dave Fensom. Sam's upset him by comparing (laughs) him to a member of the Shaman. And he's going to batter you when he sees you. compare him. I just said that it reminded me of him. (laughs) (laughs) Got any theorists? things anyway lovely dave from pop collaborate and listen he came on the show to talk about the golden age of hip-hop earlier this year he came on the show to review download for us as well he's always welcome in these parts let's hear what he picked as his top five favorite albums of the year david you're here steven how the fuck are are you you? i'm all right thanks mate i spend more time here than i do in my own podcast why that you know that's nothing to do with me mate i invite you whenever you're you're always welcome always welcome oh wait you need, always give, always give krista a kick up the ass what you don't play yeah mate you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't want to start a like ruckus between you and krista yeah, getting yeah. to pull his finger out just because he's got lots of records he i know he, he i know. He can be tardy with his recording he never comes yeah. on here does he? he never comes on our podcast nah. i mean to be fair if i if i had a go at krista for doing anything um i think he would just go you know, I do all the fucking work on the podcast. And I'd go, oh, yeah, you do. And uh, so, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd leave it at that, Rihanna, if I'm entirely honest with you. All right, fair enough. I wasn't trying to stir the pot. This is supposed to be a nice end of year thing, so... Merry Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> How's your year been, mate? Oh, it's been patchy. Uh, always okay. patchy, man. UK Apache. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's been all right, man. I'm ending on a, on a pretty, on pretty solid notes. So, yeah, I'm enjoying myself. Just registered some fringe shows for next year. Oh, Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, got loads of fucking gigs this week. Had to go and do a uh, a birthday party for a thick bloke on Saturday. That was fun. Um, I every hope he's not listening. You... He won't be. <laughs> every time you speak about stand-up, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like a bullet just whizzing past my face do you know what um, I mean? like uh yeah I'm, I'm, one of these days i will tell you about the, the gig we did for a thick bloke on saturday fuck my life um i look forward to it look yeah forward yeah to it. yeah 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 but yeah no good man it's all good man we just uh, just registered the first live shows for the podcast next year yeah. as well i saw yeah. i i you might say i saw that i heard that when you were talking about it on your podcast slagging me off just because i know about reggae Cheers for that. No, very little lack of respect that you two show for me. <laughs> Nothing but... to make fun of, is it? Knowledge? <laughs> no, not, not at all. Especially that particular brand of knowledge. <laughs> Here it is. Anyway, as much as I'd love to talk to you about uh, Red Dragon featuring Tony Gold, etc., oh, yeah. etc., 
we should talk about music that came out this year not much fun admittedly but like 2024 good year musically it's, it's, been, it's been all right man it's been all right i mean I'm, you know, full disclosure man i'm pretty sure i said the same thing last year you know once again like having a busy life has meant that i've probably there's, there's stuff i should have heard that i haven't i've done mm. i've done my best mate is all i'm gonna say uh but you know i've kind of i found a few things that have really stuck with me this year uh and yeah that i've really enjoyed i mean i'm gonna gonna give a a, a notable shout out to an album that you guys were very uh unkind to well not very unkind but i felt you were a little bit on the cold side for album that nearly made my list was the Ashnako album, which I have gone back to a lot. And I, you were right in your review in that it's not all solid, but I think the mm. stuff that's on there that's good is really good. And it kind of puts yeah. it over the edge of it. Yeah. I know. No, I, I, I quite like that album. I do quite like that album. I just think that like there's, it, it, it's got it's for me, it's typical first album hyper pop influence thing where you go okay. you've got all the ideas you yeah, don't yeah, actually yeah. need all the ideas you could probably do with 70 percent of the ideas yeah, yeah. when i listen to when i think about like the kind of second or third albums that come out from those sort of people and you go oh, yeah, they're yeah. brilliant and i never very rarely love their first stuff so maybe i'm slightly biased because i'm kind of predicting that her second or third album will be fucking amazing and fair enough go, man oh it's amazing first time round then you look like a dick when you say yeah i mean like that gex album nearly made my list as well i mm -hmm. really enjoyed that and that i guess that is pretty much emblematic yeah. of what you're talking about isn't it? yeah that's the 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 perfect comparative point i would say but yeah that is quite good that ash nico album um any other little shout outs you want to make before you get into the top five no mentions? I, 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 uh, is there something uh that alchemist album i quite liked i quite enjoyed uh i quite enjoyed the oh fuck i've even forgotten the name of the artist now it was, it was three artists that i liked that did a hip-hop album together hang on a second let me see if i can remind myself of what they're called well, this is a fucking wonderful start, isn't it? Music expert, Dave Fenson. <laughs> fucking you know, dickhead. Don't worry, he knows six albums this year. I know, I, I know, that, that, that is it. He definitely knows know six albums. I know quite a the lot six for a man of your age, you know. Yeah, I, I know, it's, fuck off with a man of some of your age. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, mate, I'm the same, I'm the same. The only reason I listen to anything is because I feel like I have to. Oh, there you go, he's drilling. Don't worry, mate, we're going to edit this bit out anyway, because my yeah. builders started drilling at an inappropriate time oh well that's um, good that's good news man that's good news uh i'm trying to still trying to fucking i'm, I'm just plowing through this fucking list of stuff that's just full of songs about dinosaurs because I, I listened to a phenomenal amount of songs about dinosaurs this year mate uh, i know all the words to a large playlist of songs about dinosaurs where the fuck is this list very much the Ross from Friends of uh, the podcasting music <laughs> podcasting world, aren't you? Yeah, I, I definitely am, mate. I definitely am because I also have never fucked Jennifer Aniston. Uh, actually, no, he did, didn't he? That's how he it works. Did. That's how that worked. I think he uh, did in real life as well. Surely that's got to be the least probable fucking thing that happened in the nineties. Where the f fuck is this song gone? <laughs> you motherfucker! I know I listened to this song enough for it to make my fucking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm keeping. This oh, song. hang on. There, there you go. Mad, Mad Lib, Mayhem, Lauren, and DJ Muggs. That oh was... yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. reviewed that. Yeah, good album. That. Yeah. All yeah, right, I, right. I, I, re I really liked that album. It was a bit patchy, but fuck me, like big money on that man. What? That's one mm. of the tracks of the year. That is. Mm. Um, I yeah, spent quite, I spent quite a bit of the year. And this is embarrassing, but like catching up with older, 
catching up with old uh, Bring Me the Horizon records that I'd never listened to because I thought they were shit, and then I saw them at download and thought they were quite good. Yeah, uh, yeah that's there. Yeah, there you go. That's that's, yeah. that's that's me. That's me for shout outs. Anyway, good. Yeah. So check them out, guys. Bring Me the Horizon. You heard it here first. Right, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do your top five then. Let's start. What's your fifth best album of the year, Dave? Fifth best album of the year. I'm going with Billy Woods and Kenny Segal. Maps. Okay. Uh, yeah. Obviously, this is. You know, if you like your hip hop a little bit on the avant garde side, you know, you can't fuck with Billy Woods as a killer MC. Again, you know, I know he's had mentions on your podcast. Here we've got some really nice off kilter beats uh, that kind of they throw back to uh, uh, an era of hip hop that I'm very, very fond of, yeah, which is that post golden era, like early 2000s kind of indie backpacky like the stuff that was coming out on Def Jux, on Anticon Records, it, it kind of fits in that kind of weird, that, that was always my little spot in hip-hop that I particularly enjoyed. And this is very enthused by it, but with kind of a more modern sound. I mean, I guess you can kind of underline that with the fact that you've got Aesop Rock on this record, guest star and like Elucid and stuff like that. Yeah, if you like your hip-hop weird, dark and kind of lyrical, I would say this is a fucking no-brainer, this record. Yeah, I really like this record. I thought it was really good. I think, actually, we haven't had a chance to review the recent Arm & Hammer uh -huh. album, unfortunately, which I think, for me, if it come out... If, if you'd swap these two release dates around, yeah. and that Arm & Hammer had come out first, I think that would have a possible shout of getting in my top 20. So I feel like I prefer that one more. I think quite... I mean, like, yeah, you know, Billy Woods is someone who I think is have you have you listened amazing. to that elucid record actually the what solo one was it yeah 2023 no. record is again that's again arm and obviously he was a member of yeah. arm and hammer yeah, yeah, yeah. arm and hammer on that billy woods on that that's that's worth a dig out as well okay. it's, I, I haven't listened to it enough that it made this list but it's it's kind of it's it, it's going to be in my rotation yeah there's a few people who release multiple in, in kind of hip-hop who released multiple albums this year and yeah. i feel like they kind of saved their best shit to right at the end of the year, which is yeah. meant that it's... Like, but I did... Maps was one that, at the time, I remember being like, this is fucking great, but the bar's high in it with Billy Woods. Yeah, yeah. You know, it really like, is. He is. He is proper, proper. I've, I've never seen Billy Woods live, man. I'm going to have to fix that. Yeah, man, I've seen I've seen Arm & Hammer live twice. Yeah, okay. And he is the main... You know, of course. Every time he steps forward, you're like... There's, Here we go. There's the guy. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good shout. Good shout. All right, number four, Dave. What are you saying? Uh, I've gone with Janelle Monet, Asia Pleasure. Um, I think this is just a like super cool grown up record, man. It's like, but it's you know it's hip hop, pop soul, mm. with you know kind of different influences. Obviously, bits of reggae shit on like Lipstick Lover. You know the current single, or well, most recent single, Champagne shit is one of the fucking tunes oh, of the so year, good. man. So you know. Good. I, for me, this was this is a perfect summer evening record. This is, you know, I think Janelle Monae is like one of the best out there doing it at the minute. Um, you know, I, I feel like she hasn't quite hit her, you know, hit her uh, her, her her spot in the kind of. I'm saying I'll fucking reword this. I don't feel like she's quite hit her um, commercial peak yet. I think mm. that her, you know, her critical acclaim is there. I'd like to see her come out with something that kind of blows up a little bit bigger maybe you know maybe i'm just an old man and i'm and, and that's unrealistic but i think this is a fucking great great record yeah i i cannot for the life of me understand why janelle why janelle monet is not as big as beyonce or rihanna yeah. like it, it doesn't yeah. really compute with me because you know when beyonce's releasing albums like lemonade which are 
very kind of artistically creatively mm-hmm. you know and you, you go back and you go well hold on a second the arc android was 2010 like why the hell is this artist not getting the same level of commercial props from and why is she not blown up like uh, i say she sorry they i should say yeah. I, I believe that she, uh, that uh, janelle monet is a they so yeah oh, okay. they they um they have like a really really amazing back catalogue he's just started drilling again i can't believe this dave when you come on he said i'm gonna have, I, do i ignore it do i ignore it or do i do i talk over it i'm just ma- 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 maybe just knows i like drills yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> yeah um and drill obviously and drill. yeah drill. I, I would say i oh, stopped now that's good um the age of pleasure for me was a funny one because we didn't actually we haven't actually reviewed it on the show but i okay. did listen i did listen to it and i was a bit like uh it's not quite as good i think like the, the three albums that came before i mean particularly the arc android i think dirty computer from 2018 is like incredible as well and i was a bit like ah it's good but it's not like Janelle Monet good. Do you know oh, what I mean? See, I, I see I'm I'm the other way. I mean, I really, really love Dirty Computer and I liked Arc Android or Arch Android, whatever it is. And but this to me just had a it just had more of a vibe to it, man. I I really it, this just felt like it felt like effortlessly cool this. It felt like it, there's so much stuff where you're just like, oh, man, how good is this track? And it's like this is just an album. It doesn't feel like you're trying and this is just coming out of you. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I went back to it when you, because you sent, you were the only person, thank you for this, you sent your list in advance. So I was like, yeah. oh shit, I should listen to that again because I haven't for a while. And I put it on and I was like, maybe again, I was pretty, maybe I was a bit like dismissive of it because I love that other stuff so much because I listened to it again. And I was like, I mean, when you can get Grace Jones on a track and just be like, yo, Grace Jones, you get less than a minute. Yeah, on yeah, al- yeah. On my album, and then you're right? out. Like it's it's pretty impressive. And yeah, I think Janelle Monet. I just think again, like the bar is so high for Janelle Monet mm-hmm. releases. And it, if this was a debut album, or if this was a second album from someone I didn't know about, I probably would have absolutely lost my shit. So going back to, it, I am like, yeah, this is this is really good. So thank you for reacquainting me with it. Good That's shout. Right. Good shout. Good. Number three. Number three, now this is probably the, the curveball on the list, but this is um, uh, Buck 65, uh, Dose One, and Gel with um, North America. Fuck, what's it called? Uh, fucking brain's just gone out the window. It's called North America. North American Adonis. Like, North American Adonis, there you go. That's what it's called. I didn't write, I didn't write it down on my piece of paper, and my memory isn't worth shit anymore because I am. <laughs> very old um yeah this is i mean this is an album i don't know if you know the backstory on this at all um it's no. um, this is an album 25 years in the making basically so buck 65 stalwart one of the kind of uh you know these canadian rapper wrote one of my favorite ever albums in talking honky blues um uh, and <laughs> these canadian self-produced rapper was very much part of that kind of scene that i was talking about earlier you know you use them in the same thing as like sage francis and people like that lp and uh and then dose one who was part of kind of cloud dead uh, again very much on that anticom thing and jelly who's just a fucking really 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 super shit hot hip-hop producer they started writing this album in in 1998 got close to the end of it and basically all of the files corrupted they lost the entire album uh, and they just didn't have the heart to go back and do it. Uh, Buck 65 has been inactive for a little while. He's been doing other projects, hasn't been doing music. I think he's put fucking four albums out this year, though. 
Um, and basically they just kind of came back with the idea of they were going to go back and revisit it. Gel still had a lot of the original beats on fucking like floppy disc or some shit like that. So they just kind of pulled it back together, changed the lyrics, changed some of the bits around, got the art, got the art original artist to redo the artwork. And what they've come out with is this kind of it's it's certainly got a 90s 2000s vibe to it, but it's very much updated. Um there's some, I mean, like Dose One is one of the most interesting MCs of all time. I don't, I don't know how well acquainted you are with Dose One, Cloud Dead, and all of that stuff. Like, you, trust me, if you if you've not listened to much Dose One stuff, just go back and dig through his back catalogue because he's just fucking uncom- uncompromising. Weird voice, just odd turn of phrase, but on point. Proper fucking like MC's MC, brilliant guy. Mm. Um, and they pulled this album out and. I didn't become aware of this album until recently. It's one of those things where one of the tracks ended up on like fucking Spotify new releases playlist. And I was like, fucking hell, I didn't know this existed. Went back through it. And yeah, this is, this. to be honest with you, this is kind of vying for my album of the year, man. There's some real fucking amazing lyricism on here. There's some brilliant turntablism. There's just, and everything's just got this slightly off kilter feel. It's, this is very much an album that lives where I live in hip hop. And uh, yeah, very much recommend this one yeah man i mean this has only been out like a week yeah record i've listened to this a lot though already i'm eighth listen through this record i mean mate when you know you know um yeah so mate i was not aware of this at all i'd obviously i'd heard the name buck 65 in the past never listened to his material i've given this a really really quick listen to the point where i'm like i don't even know that i should say anything about it at all because i have literally given it like half of it like a cursory listen yeah um but on that description i will definitely go back to it maybe we'll bring it in for kind of early next year for when yeah. we do the sort of stuff we've missed throughout the year at the start of the year i think i would say like if you want to if, if you want to kind of get do oh, am i mad am i gonna like this am i not tracked listen to the track not weird if you if you like if you listen to that and you go ah not for me maybe the rest of the album won't gel with you but i think not weird's a fucking fucking amazingly brilliant track you know i'm I'm a little bit i'm showing my influences here this is very much up my street but uh yeah i this is a a real really nice surprise to hear this come out and uh hear buck 65 back on really top form i think yeah man i will i will absolutely check that out for sure so that brings us to the silver medal the so close silver to the number medal. one spot what we got well, I'm giving this to Code Orange, the above. Hooray. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel like I'm, I'm, this is not somewhere where I really need to sing the praises of Code Orange, is it? It's, no. It's kind of very much preaching to the converted. Look, now, I've, I'll be honest with you, I've still not hammered this album as much as I sh- should have since it came out. And so I'm still on the point where every now and again, I just think about this album, put it on, and it gets better with each listen. It's still very much on that ascendancy for me you know it's not you know you don't quite get the uh the surprise and the the revelation that you might have got with the previous releases you kind of know a little bit more what they're about now but you can definitely feel them honing the craft and you're going ah these some of these songs are going to sound very good further and further up a main stage bill on a festival and you kind of look at them and go, well, I, you know, I hope they start getting the fire that they they kind of deserve underneath them because, you know, I've I've you know we've we've seen some of the fucking festival lineups coming up for next year already, and some of them very much feel like they need something like this to put a rocket up them a little bit. Um, so for me, great just to hear a heavy album that's kind of brutal, fun, forward thinking, but still kind of got some of that retro charm to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say too much about Code Orange because I saved that. I mean, well, spoiler for when we do our top 20. No one's going to be surprised when yeah. Code Orange are in my top 20 of the year, are they? Yeah. It sort of goes without saying, really. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably yeah. put them in even when they don't release an album. I'll just go, oh, well, I've heard a demo or something like that. So, yes, I everything you just said, I agree with. So let's just move on and do your number one album of the year, Dave. What? yeah picked. i mean my number one album of the year i mean it's it kind of it's almost been a bit of a boring choice for me because i heard this record in february and i went ah oh, this is going to be a uh this is going to be a, 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 a an album that's bothering my list when i first heard it and yeah i mean nothing nothing else has stuck with me as much this year and i'm talking about young fathers heavy heavy um you know this this is i've had this in rotation ever since it came out obviously we saw them support depeche mode that was a difficult gig for them uh but i i don't think there's a dull a dud moment on here i started kind of going through the album and writing down which tracks i really liked and by the time i got to the fourth track and i was like i'm just writing down the fucking track listing so i went yeah i i, I don't think i think this is uh you know it's it's soulful smart it's it, kind of beautiful music you know it's, for me young fathers are the spiritual successors to like mass, massive attack or someone like that they're doing stuff that a little bit differently bringing bits and pieces of new stuff into the music doing it really really well uh nothing much else to say really this is a record that i've just pretty much enjoyed since first listen and uh, you know it doesn't get any worse yeah it's a great record it's a great record i mean I am in the process of kind of still, as we sit here recording, still kind of umming and ahhing about where things will go yeah. in my top 20. And so I don't want to, again, I don't want to say too much about this record because I just don't. But uh, we went mad for it when it, when it, you know, when it came yeah. out, me and Sam went absolutely mad for it. And I think, you know, considering I was really excited and really delighted that they got to support Depeche Mode and considering, yeah. like say, how hard it is to open sure. for a fa for a bunch of like goth synth pop, fa synth -pop fans yeah. in Twickenham Stadium, I, I thought they did really well. And it, Yeah, just, with a quarter of the PA as well. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. And, and like just felt really uncompromising like do you know what i mean like they feel they they came on and, and this album feels to me it's as aggressive and as sort of anarchic if you like as any heavy record you'll hear exactly year. that but it's incredibly soulful and it's really really catchy and yeah. it can be really kind of beautiful and it can be quite moving yeah really really great record really great yeah, record for, great for me it's, for me it's the best of their releases and i've i've been a fan since you know tape mm. one and tape two um so yeah i was really you know really pleasantly surprised by this this year uh you know just you know i'm not i kind of enjoyed the last record but you know I, I was, it was a little bit of that diminishing returns thing so this to come back as strong as it did and to find its way up here yeah very very glad they're they're about i'm just I'm very annoyed that they uh, they played in brighton when i was uh when i was on holiday so i couldn't go that's annoying isn't it? that's always annoying um still you got a holiday didn't you oh that is true yeah i got to go to somerset but then yeah. it, it, it was the it was the it was the holiday that i went on that i took a holiday from the holiday to come see <laughs> did. and it i thought did. i can't i can't really do that on the monday to go to brighton as well to see young no. fathers no that would have been too much i think but anyway uh happy new year mate happy christmas yeah happy christmas new year whatever it is mate i'll, yeah, I'll, I'll well, see you at, i'll see you at the bull man with the beards club will i yes you will we're basically there are certain gigs that we are kind of we are kind of legally obligated to attend yeah quicksand yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Helmet. And Helmet are two of those bands. So we did Quicksand. We'll be at Helmet. Um, and uh, yeah, I look forward to all the riffs. There's going to be lots of riffs going oh, on Oh, yes, mate. Oh, Trying yes. to move in a way that my back won't allow. Yes, That's indeed. what it's going to be. But yeah, you will notice that the new album is not on this list. Did you not not care for the new album so much? Uh, do you know what, man? I've like too early, too or sorry, too late in the day really to give it a top twenty just, place in. Well, you say that. I mean, the, my th- number three came out last week, but uh, I don't mm. know, man. I'm just yeah. I, like I feel like ever since Aftertaste came out, like people have told me that the new Helmet albums are returned to form, and every time I listen to it, I go, this 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 isn't. But I don't know. We'll give it we'll give it a bit more of a spin. I think it's definitely, I think you should give it more of a spin because it's certainly, I, I've never said this is a return to form. Okay. Uh, I said Size Matters is still good when that came yeah. out. Everything else I've been like, but I think this is definitely the best one. Definitely. I will anyway, continue to spin it. I think you should. I think you should. And, um, or if not, I'll send Paige Hamilton around your house to talk to you about jazz until you fucking yeah. fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. That. That, that, that will be about a minute's time, to be honest with you. It's all right. I'll just... I'll make him talk to my daughter about fucking Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom. He'll turn that into a jazz chat somehow. Whatever you talk to him about, it turns into a jazz chat. He loves it. Anyway. A a jazz uh, chat sounds like a wank on the internet, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, what a lovely way to finish a festive season. You knew who you were asking. I did, yeah, I did, I did. I should have really expected it. Anyway, cheers, mate. I will see you soon. Pleasure. And uh, send my love to Krista. Yeah, yeah. Give my regards to Gaz and to Sam, and uh, uh, yeah, let, let me know. Uh, let me. I look forward to hearing how many nineties uh, records Gaz gets in his uh, two thousand and twenty three <laughs> top five. Well, you'll find out quite soon. There you go. <laughs> Bye, mate. Take it easy. There he is. See him at helmet, won't we? We'll all see him at helmet. That's a fact. We're all going to see his helmet. No, we're going to see him at helmet. Oh. Bad line. You knew that. Uh, be naughty. naughty. Be bawdy, Lynn. Enjoy. You're being bawdy, Gaz. I should have enjoyed it's it. Top bands. Um, top bands. <laughs> top bands. We're into the top five, Sam. Oh, Can't believe here it. Here we go. Here we ruddy, right. ruddy go. So, in at number five. five. Go. Um, in at number yeah. five. Uh, so, as I think we've established, I believe we've established, anyone who knows the slightest bit about my music taste knows that I love noisy, horrible stuff. I do think that sometimes noise rock bands can get a little bit too bogged down in the noise side of it, just making the harsh, scabrous sound scrapes for getting to write big tunes. Don't forget the rock bit of noise rock, guys. That's why I preferred Ken Mode's album to Chat Powers last year, because hooks, even in the most vicious, nasty music, they are the key for me. And you can still have them in there. You can. So, you know, we want that. Apart from heaviness, apart from harshness, apart from melody, the thing that can help a band just get that much further into my good books is a bit of sexy swing, as warped as it may be. We all love Nine Inch Nails. We all love Deftones. Whether those songs that you're immediately thinking of, you know, whether it's Close or A Knife Party or whatever, are actually romantic or sexual or not. If they come on in a club, you're going to dance and boogie to the point of embarrassment. And like, if you were going to stand at the side and just be sniffy about people not getting the lyrical subtext, then... You're probably not going to like Dog's Body by Model Actress, are you? I think that it is the best debut album of the year. I think from that opening steely drone on Donkey Show that kicks into a riff that is sheet metal being thrown at guitars, proper Santiago Durango in big black style. It, you know that, those kind of bass tones rustling, rushing through the guitars. It's it's excellent. 
and particularly when Cole Hayden's perverse theatricality comes in. I mean, the first time I listened to this, I knew this was going to be way, 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 way up the end of my end of year list. Uh, huge thanks to the listener that suggested that Steve and I cover this when we did. Uh, and kudos for having the brilliant, the brilliant screen name of Anya Taylor Joy Division. I remember that. That was great. <laughs> I hope, I hope, Anya Taylor Joy Division, that you are happy that I've spent most of every day of this year going yes 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 heaven can fill the blackness of my heart oh with all the camp kind of squalor and abandon that you would expect let alone just shouting the chorus of mosquito at people and um, it's permanent body count excellent um I think there's, there are those quieter and more unusual and ambient punctuations in the album that imply that they're not just going to be a one-trick donkey show. Eee, lovely. Um, the, you know, a lot of noise rock bands tend to be. I think they find a thing, they do it, and they just do it to death to diminishing results. The album it most closely reminds me of uh, is Hell Songs by the now-disgraced Daughters. Obviously, never going to listen to Daughters again. This is a more-than-fitting substitute. And I think it does have that sense of scabrous melody, even if it is happier to indulge in a kind of less frenzied execution. And it's happier to trade in innuendo rather than some openly uh, kind of nakedly hurtful lyrics, as we now know. Um, and I can only hope that, like Daughters, without meeting the horrible end that they have, that model actress will go on to improve time and time and time again. I fucking love this so much. So much. Have you heard this, guys? Because obviously this was reviewed before you were on the show, and I don't know what you'd make of it. Uh, no, I haven't listened to it. Okay. Um, keep it short and pithy. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Well, what I can only Christa girl singing say? at you. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> all right. Well, you know, when he started singing, I thought it was. Um, I thought. I thought. I was like, oh, Fred Durst. Oh no, no, that's just me. You can't put that on Cole. Because you, you, know, you, you did go a bit. No, no, you're loving this shit right here. I have been doing that a lot this year. To be have you? As well, well, yeah. it's silly season, isn't it? So. No, this road gets a rap from these critics, but that's not a similar oh, album yeah. to this at all. No, it's funny, isn't it? Because when you said that, I was like, yeah, bloody hell. And now Sam's done his impression yeah. again. I'm like, oh yeah, you do, do, you do do him like Fred does, which I think is that's my you know, an insult. Is is a massively misrepresentation of this band wow. um, anyway. I'm not going to let it put me off I'll still give it a listen good lad good lad I think you should yeah maybe before next week oh here we go just so just so you know <laughs> okay anyway uh, number four Sam um so Steve, we were chatting on the phone the other day uh, about. I mean, don't tell people about what. Check we you uh, out. Uh, oh, it was a video call. <laughs> you were phone in bed. friends. <laughs> no, go but, on. Well, Sorry, yeah, we what were. Are the, what we are were. the? Oh, we were. Whatever. <laughs> and what? I've got his number. Got I'm the landline. Yeah. Uh, yeah, got the rotary. Uh, but I was saying about how this year I feel like I've got. I've kind of got my 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 bug for metal back in a pretty big way. Now I never fell out of love with metal because I already have all of those classics. You know, I'm always going to happily listen to the kind of albums that are great fodder for online features for people to go, oh, you remember that? What I fell out of love with and out of favour with was the newer crop of bands who are getting significant audiences. Like, no offence, Spirit Box or Sleep Token or whoever that's getting big. I'm glad you are. It's just really not for me, which is fuck off big riffs and hooks that are built on lyrics with substance rather than just mosh calls. And that was what was so refreshing about Serpent and Spirit when it came out. And Urn have 
entirely outdone themselves with this follow-up, uh, A Feast on Sorrow. Joe Duplantier's production and the influence he has undoubtedly had on the band has brought an extra tightness and ferocity to that three-piece. And the clarity with which those staccato riffs and the dexterity of the percussion comes through and hits you is monumental. That weighty crystalline production and that sound is exactly what Earn needed, and especially for this album. Because lyrically and thematically, no record has moved me anywhere anywhere near as much as this all year. Um, any longer-term listeners to the show will know that a massive part of the reason that I stepped away from this podcast full-time is uh, the enormous upheaval in my personal life of my stepdad having a, a major stroke at the start of this year. It's a kind of trauma I've, I've never really had to deal with. Um, I've had relatives and friends die, but there's something very different about having someone taken away from you while they're still in the same room as you. And it's something that I still struggle with. Um, my mum and I, we try and find a time to talk just amongst ourselves as often as we can about how we are feeling about it all. And there was this one time where she said to me that she just couldn't really picture the old Simon that we used to live with. Um, you know, <laughs> we still love him dearly. And deep down, he is that man who has been the consistent male role model in my life. But she's absolutely right. And when on the opening track, the flood came rushing in, Joe just screams that agonizing scream and you can really feel every bit of his pain, that where do the memories go? Um, I just feel an overwhelming rush of emotion that I don't get from... <laughs> certainly many metal albums mean many albums full stop um it gives me the idea that you know none of what's happened is fair there's the worry about how you deal with it there's the fear that that person who has been befallen by this illness won't feel the same way about you but there's equally that violent need for catharsis and that is exactly what this album gives me um it does what the very 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 best of art does and provides a point of empathy um you have got utter rages like becoming the ocean like don't get me wrong this is a fucking brilliant riffy heavy album you can bang your fucking head to i think there's the highlight in the form of the deeply moving but excellent uh riff extravaganza that is a stumble of words i think arguably earns best moment today and by the time you get to the end of the long goodbye and you get that refrain of where do the memories go? But this time it's coming around with more accepting and more understanding in its melody. It feels like just through this album, um, <laughs> the the kind of healing process can start to begin. I think that Joe Nally has created something that I will always hold very, very, very dearly indeed with the lyrics that he's, he's, um, that he's given us here. I think his vocals are so, so, so far ahead of where he was in their debut. And I fucking love that debut. But they've stepped it up to monumental levels. They are showing every single metal band in the UK that, yeah, yeah, they are the best. And that's my opinion. So, brilliant. That is a uh, brilliant, uh, album. Ex brilliant album. Excellently, excellently put, mate. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely fucking brilliant. I can't wait to see them in Milton Keynes on Saturday. So, you know, mm. good times, mm. good times. We won't dilly dally now. Probably for the best, because you know. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, now, I have gone for a joint number two this year because until what? around a week and a half ago, this was a joint number one, and 
Oh, I liked the I, I liked the idea of uh, doing this just to kind of rib Steve a little bit about him having a joint number one last year with Kendrick and Gang of Youths. But um, <laughs> like I say, ultimately something leapfrogged it. I was going to divide them, but I think it's my list, so I'll do what I like. And that's and fair. Do that. I also feel that there is enough connective tissue between these albums that I can include them as one entry. So, from the first time I heard Shook by Algiers, I knew that this was an album that would stay with me for a very, very, very long time. The way that everybody shatter, Hayes' interview with that kind of inescapable funk rhythm, and Franklin James Fisher commanding that chorus with with quite a lot of restrained intensity because we do hear later on the album that he can go berserk when he wants to but even in that there's an indication that this record is going to have so much more to offer than just incredibly adept funk and that spoken word coder from big rube i think tells you that there's going to be a lot to mine here there's going to be a lot to listen out for to then move into for your second track a dark industrial hip-hop razor razor Erasure, more like. Erasure. <laughs> Featuring Zach Della motherfucking Russia. I mean, come on. Come on. How can you not love it? The record moves into so many wild and adeptly explored territories, whether it's the garage rock or something like 73%, the soulful gospel dirge of I Can't Stand It with a beautiful guest appearance from Samuel T. Herring, who also showed up back on Maps way back at the start of this episode. So he's been busy. To something like the damned-inspired punk rock fury on a good man everything they do is executed with the kind of precision that only real masters of their craft can achieve the best song of the year is still bite back featuring billy woods and backwash billy woods again three entries he's made it into god greedy Agreed. that song is six of the most perfect minutes of music i i have heard in many many years it is a masterclass in dynamism the way it builds uh, it hasn't been bested by anyone and I also think that the narrative of this entire record is so insightful. It's so delicately delivered when it needs to be, and then brutally stark when it needs to be. And alongside it sits Life is But a Dream by Avenged Sevenfold. Now, I have never, 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 never been big into Avenged. I saw them sub System of a Down uh, download in 2011, and I was a proper bullet belt wanker i had my arms folded i refused to enjoy myself for a single good, second and i think lad. if i'd have had the foresight back then to have brought a deck chair my life would have turned out very differently and i'd probably only be listening to saxon so thank god i didn't i did think the stage was a really intriguing turn for them it was the first album i thought okay this isn't just a lesser version of poison the well or a more metalized version of guns and roses or the actual black album but after a seven-year wait, I, I was not bothered at all about the fact there was a new Avenged album come in. But blow me down. They have created an absolute masterpiece. And I think, Steve, you were absolutely right when you said that the only album in rock or metal that this can be compared to, realistically, is King for a Day, Fall for a Lifetime, the best album by Faith No More. Because it is exactly that. It's had an incredibly divisive reception admittedly i haven't heard or seen a single convincing argument they all just boil down to oh it's a bit weird isn't it but then i've also never been successfully persuaded that king for a day isn't the best faith no more album i have never heard an album from an arena level festival headlining metal band metal being the key thing here that can remind me of metallica and pink floyd and daft punk and Nile rogers and chic and rush and alice in chains and kanye west and tony bennett and nine inch nails in the space of just over 50 minutes and i don't think it's controversial to say that i'm probably never going to get that experience again 
and i think th- the fact that avenged have done this now i really hope that they stay on this path i really do like obviously never tell an artist what to do i mean you can vote with your wallet you can vote with your feet i really want them to stay here because they were a band i was not bothered before at all now when i see them live i am going to do disgusting things to my vocal cords when they do metal and it gets to that advertisement moral scroll semblance of choice where there's no choice at all i can't wait and the reason that i have put them together as one entry is that for me the connective through line between these albums isn't just the fact that they hop between genres and do it brilliantly i don't care what anyone fucking says about that avenged album fuck off it's amazing it's the way that they approach the ideas and interweave them between the two i think on shook algiers took really vividly and bluntly about the wider black experience that doesn't get discussed so often enough i think zulu did it really well as well this year but not to the same level of uh well audible now being you know kind of power violence album and that is namely that black people are always defined um be it in the media or just by people in general as strong stoic types who live with this weight of hundreds of years of persecution that their strength is their only defining characteristic as opposed to the multitudes of artistic and cultural influences that have been brought into the world that don't all stem from pain or repressed resentment or gratitude for fucking long overdue (laughs) stabs at equality regardless of someone's skin or gender i think they talk about a thing that i could never understand or feel but they put it across in such a direct and personal way that i almost come close to uh, empathizing would be the wrong word but i mean it certainly makes me reconsider even my own unconscious biases um it's an astounding astounding life-changing piece of work and i contrast that with avenged who take these grandiose ideas about existentialism and life and the universe and everything and nothing and make it feel cosmically unfathomable through their very reflective lyrics. They take the personal and they make it galactic, whereas I think Algiers take the esoteric and unshareable and make it feel like a one-to-one conversation. I think both of these albums are towering achievements. And with both of them, I've discovered bands whose entire discographies I now absolutely love, avenged a bit like Paramore. I've gone back and retrospectively like everything they've done a hell of a lot more um joint number two there lovely stuff wow very good very very good i don't know i want to talk about those albums i don't know if you got anything to add to that gaz uh no i'm i was literally hanging on to every one of sam's words there very well put mm. sam my friend thank you very much thank you very lovely much. stuff I yeah lovely enjoyed stuff. that mate that i mean good. i mean the, the, the algiers album i did listen to it a lot when it initially came out because i remember the both of you two were like literally frothing at the mouth yes <laughs> about it i was like oh maybe i should check that out then they sound like they know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really liked it. It's, it was one of those, for whatever reason, just didn't go back to it as much. But yeah, like the the Zach De La Roche track. Oh, mate. Fuck me. Irreversible damage. Amazing. One, absolutely fucking wonderful. Avenged, I've, I've given it, you know, I'm ashamed to say, I've given it like one listen. Which is, you know, it's going to take a few more listens to me to, for me to kind of get my fucking head oh, around yeah, it. But there is, yeah. There is, like you said, I could. I'd written off that band, fucking so many years ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for them now to have done this complete about turn and been this kind, you know, this kind of going from this band. Oh, they've just ripped off the Black Album to, 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 to like, like you said, you know, they put Tony Bennett in there, um, you know, Alison Chains, and just just this fucking multitude of like ideas and genres and stuff 
quite more often I like to like the same song and stuff. And like you said, you know, I think the, you know, the comparison with uh, with King for a Day, aka the best Faith No More album. Oh, definitely. Um, I've had yeah, I've had some yeah. I would say Twitter, a light-hearted Twitter bants about, <laughs> about that album this week. It's not Angel Dust. You're wrong. I believe it. Well, it I saw somebody replying and go, "Oh, I've I've done some votes and eight hey, fucking King for Day was fifth, and they were putting that in as going, see, look, yeah. we did some votes. It's like who was fucking voting Ooh. in that? The, the moron club. Yeah. Like, come off it. I think it was just voting himself. I mean, soul of it. Like, look, <laughs> if you pick Angel Dust over King for a Day, fair enough. That's fine. fine. If you pick album of the year, I think like album of the year is incredible, That's right? Great. Not and I can King see how day, someone. Though. Come on. No, no, no not over King for Day. But even still, I can or just Angel be like, Dust. all right, fine. Even well, no, I think Age of Dust. I would, I would be like, all right, cool. That's a, a conversation that one can mm. have. I think even the people that were there when discovered them, the real thing, I get it, right? Yeah, I don't think it's anywhere near as good, but I get it. I'm not having Soul Invictus over it. No, I'm off. not no. having Soul Invictus over King for a Day. It's the, fuck off. I think that's you are possibly even, the worst album. Nah, I, I'd terrible. definitely have it over the real thing. I'd have it over the two Chuck Mosley albums. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's better than Choose Yourself and um, We Care A Lot, for sure. <laughs> and, right. yeah. But anyway, I mean, someone anyway. sent Metal Hammer an, an email this week saying... Oh, really? What, Stephen Mr. Angry? Hill's, <laughs> Stephen Hill's pathetic Napalm Death ranking after I ranked the Napalm Death album. Sorry about And I was that, just man. like, oh, it's going to yeah, be somebody who was, was like... I was it's gonna, <laughs> It's going to be somebody <laughs> going, eh, I was 14 when Diatribes came out and that's the best one. Like most of the pricks did. But actually, it was someone who basically picked the same list as me, but put like throws in the jaws of defeatism bottom. And then basically, I got this is the worst thing I've ever seen. We disagree massively on one album. And I was like, mate, go and get yourself checked for fucking oh, autism. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, you're like, if you can't handle that, that's weird. You must have ADHD. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. You've got something wrong with you. Did it, anyway, did it but, say at the bottom, you're sincerely like Shane Embury or something like that? I don't Mitch know. Harris. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Dorian. I, I, want, yeah, yeah. I wanted to reply to him, but. That they wouldn't let me see the whole thing. Anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. And you're waiting for Sam's number one album of the year, which is what? Well, as I say, this album was just underneath Algiers and Avenged for me for ages. Absolutely ages. Um, and then just about 10 days ago, suddenly it hit me even harder than it has done all year. And I've been lucky enough to have this album for quite a bit longer than I'd say 99.9% .9 of people who have heard it. And I'd like to say, I thought very long and hard about, you know, kind of the grandeur and the kind of experimentation, the deeply personal lyrics and the amazing songs on both Life Is But A Dream and on Shook and whether this album could beat them. But I didn't have to think that hard because there is nothing on Galore by the St. Pierre Snake Invasion that I'm ever, ever, ever going to get tired of. I'd first heard about the St. Pierre Snake Invasion when I saw their name on the poster for the very first Lemania. And I checked out their debut, um, 100 Years a Day off the back of it. I thought it was pretty good. It was a nice, high-energy punk mixed with, you know, kind of a little bit more of the... Mm, a little bit more of an air about it rather than just, we're here to play some riffs and piss off. It gave me a bit of the same energy that I get when I listen to a band like Every Time I Die. I was given a tip uh, by someone who will remain nameless... Um, but he has got a new pair of glasses in 2019 that their follow-up <laughs> album and my album of the year 
Caprice Enchante that was going to be a cut above. And it certainly was. I absolutely adored it. It was a refinement of their songwriting. It pushed them into more jagged territories. You had a Welsh choir. You had a song based around a melodica. But it still had all of that heft to the debut and the razor wit of the McCluskeyisms that really informed lyrics like uh, I've been sucking all the wrong dicks trying to keep myself afloat in mystery. But it had a refused like hint that actually there's more to St. Pierre than dis. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Uh, <laughs> if you Smooth, take if seamless. you take a song like Submicano, the lead single off this, which is probably one of the few moments on Galore that really, not even closely, but most closely remembers, uh, resembles Caprice on Chante. Even then, there's this extra free song of wild abandon about it. Yeah, the riff's jagged and it is really hard and it kind of rattles along furiously with this dance groove pummel before a building shaking stomper of a riff comes in to wrap it all up. I think Cracked Velvet, the opening track, the syncopated drum and vocal pattern in the sparse verses, it doesn't seem completely unattainable if you listen to something like Pierre Brassal from the first album. But again, it, it, it's, it's given something more with that just clean enough production from Mark Roberts to make it just absolutely perfect and hit that much harder and feel that much more precise and that much more considered. So when you do get a more woozy, loose, dance-inspired track like Midas, which has got a bass throb that hums through your bones, or the dark overtones of the title track. You can see that St. Pierre, like all of the best bands, all of the best bands that I have listed in my top 20, and I'm sure that you two will do, and we will all continue to do for many, many, many years, they're not content to be boxed into one neatly defined genre. I said Bite Back by Algiers is my favourite song of the year, and it still is. But I think the one-two of Apex Prey and That There's Fighting Talk on the, on this album is my favourite thing that has been put to wax cylinder or cassette tape or however you want to listen to it. I think it shows so sublimely the two sides of this band that uh, who, as a band, are so head and shoulders about what everyone else is doing. I think Ashling Whiting's guest vocals um, that bring this kind of powerful but ethereal almost julie christmas channeling bjork kind of vocal style to both the title track and to apex prey they act as a superb foil to damien sale whose performances continue to just get better and better and better on every release he's able to get across so much ferocity and so much delicacy and an album that ultimately looks in on itself and questions the personal legacies of the people making it. And the fact that he is able to communicate that just through his voice without even digging into the lyrics, I think, is astounding. I don't just want to focus on Damien because I think the whole band are on absolutely the best form of their lives. I don't think it hurts that Pete Reisner's first album as the band band's percussionist gets to showcase his immense talent so brilliantly he does bring that dance flavor when he needs to and he brings that pummel alongside bassist sanjay who um as far well as far as i know this is his first album in full i don't know that he did appear on anything on caprice enchante because i believe it was all dave larkin he was certainly in the band by the time it was released but again if this is his opening statement holding down that low end giving that growl that kicks into the final math core disco fury of fighting talk it's amazing it is absolutely amazing with caprice enchante there were other bands you could point to with saint pierre and say oh it's like that but uh, doesn't quite you know do what i want from that whether it's you know every time i die or refused or mccluskey or the james cleaver quintet or whichever band you want to point at them but with galore they stand so proudly on their own i defy anyone name me another band who could take the approach of refused 
put in some staccato heft like Meshuggah and run it through the sensibility of LCD sound system whilst never forgetting that kind of wry concision of their McCluskey roots. You can't. You can't. Because no one else can do that. And no one else would even think of doing what the fuck St. Pierre have done on Galore. Absolutely sublime. Second album of the year running from these guys, so don't fuck it up on album four, yeah? Um, yeah yeah Yeah. have you heard this one uh, yeah of course I have oh good good yeah do you want to talk about it or no Um, well yeah I mean it 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 did miss out it has missed out Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately on my on my uh, top two end of the year I did I I do actually prefer Caprice Caprice on Shantae fair enough Um, maybe because that album kind of came into my life at a time where I was kind of really like searching for something kind of like kind of sort of gnarly and mm. heavy and yeah like sounded like Refuse and McCluskey basically yeah, yeah. and and every time you know all the bands you've obviously just listed and so for whatever reason the, the new album just didn't quite kind of wrap itself around my soul as much for whatever reason but it is fuck it it's wonderful it is great and what a band yeah you know, yeah, it's and, shame. Uh, Lucas, yeah, you know, Sam, you've made 2023 seem like a really good year for music. What a liar I am! The deception. <laughs> how could I? <laughs> uh, you might well be correct. You might find out how correct you are even further next week, as Gaz and I will be beginning the countdown of our top 20 albums of the year in a similar fashion. We haven't quite worked out exactly how we're going to do it yet. But we are going to do it. Sam, well done, mate. Good picks there. Good, mate. And well done, Sam. Thank lovely you. to see you. And you might hear from Sam before the end of the year if we get round to doing our annual Cliff Richard special. That might be happening. Was, uh, Cliff on strings. I was chatting to Alec, the Alec who I went to Swans with, mentioned at the top of the podcast. Uh, and he said, right. I don't think that Cliff Richard gets as much coverage from any music outlet as it does from Drew Cole Pop. I think <laughs> that's valid. I think what, he's absolutely that- right about that. Well, and it, that is even more than like all of social media yeah. we've gone more viral oh, than, uh, than that, that than is that Elvis. is the only thing that i have ever dreamed of having said about me so i'm absolutely <laughs> fucking delighted well, he, he really needed so anyway so. yeah um yeah. anyway let's <laughs> good right we'll be back next week um with more countdowns thanks very much go over to patreon.com forward slash true cop pop if you want to sign up for our exclusive content indie landfill that's already up we just haven't recorded it yet but it is up that's how weird time works when you do these things but you will be getting fake history by let live coming on saturday thanks very much everyone see you later guys see you later lads lovely to see you both my podcast dads oh little sam little cute in his his red hat. Looks like Come a, on, we're going to end this one. Like, Come on. Oh, you just say you to do, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love you, bye. <laughs> bye. Love you, bye.